Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Waalaikumsalam. Okay, so brothers and sisters, uh, jazakallah khair for joining us. This is episode 22 of the Dawa Clinic. Uh, for those of you who might not be aware, this particular uh, stream is for Muslims who've, in, who've encountered Dawa-related questions or they just wanted to know how to answer a particular question maybe that they heard uh, somewhere else or, or, or via a friend or whatever it might be. So inshallah, this is your opportunity um, to uh, to come onto the uh, to the stream. If, of course, we can't answer, then we'll, we'll refer it to a scholar. We also have Brother uh, Arfan, mashallah, mashallah, joining us again from Germany today, alhamdulillah. And we have uh, Ijaz, inshallah, who will be joining us very shortly. And we've also got the doctor, inshallah, Dr. Imran joining us very shortly as well. So jazakallah khair to everybody that's uh, that's joined us. And remember, if you do have a question, please do get on the show first or as quickly as you can, uh, because it generally gets very busy and we struggle to get you all on at the end. So if you do have a question, uh, please ask it. So this particular stream, as I said, is for Muslims with dawah-related questions, and that's why uh, the stream is called the Dawah Clinic. And mashallah, I'm surprised that it's already episode uh, 22. I wasn't expecting us to have perhaps covered so many episodes, but mashallah, it's amazing how quickly uh, time goes. Um, some of you, mashallah, might uh, already know Brother Irfan. If not, Brother Irfan, if you could just let our brothers and sisters know uh, what you're doing in Germany and um, so they can get to know you a little bit more. I'm sure they do know you, but just for, for, for the sake of new people who have just perhaps tuned in. So Alhamdulillah, uh, like I said, inshallah, like some people may even know me from appearing here. And I, I actually started uh, even with uh, English content before the German, but Alhamdulillah, I'm currently in Germany uh, and I specialize in countering atheism and uh, ideolo ideologies that are similar to this. And Alhamdulillah, I have an English and German channel and Alhamdulillah, it's really a pleasure to being invited uh, every once again. Uh, on EF Tower. But mashallah, we have a more important guest we need to talk about. Ijaz, the training has joined us, mashallah. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. It's uh, been a long time since I've seen all of you two on the screen, hasn't it? Alhamdulillah. It has been a long time on the screen, but not that long to meet you in person, mashallah. So, alhamdulillah, for the brothers and sisters that might not know, me and Ijaz, we were in Qatar for Mashallah for nine days. Ijaz, I think you were out there for a couple of days longer than us. Yeah. Uh, and it was a Mashallah wonderful experience um, from many perspectives, really. Uh, the Dawa, the, I mean, our purpose for going was a Dawa. So we didn't manage to see a, a single game. In fact, I, I don't think I've even seen a single game on TV. But that's probably a lack of interest on my part. Um, but Mashallah, the Dawa was really amazing um even though perhaps we weren't there doing the sort of dawah that we do in the uk it was more to just ask people whether they enjoyed the culture and then how the culture was influenced by of course uh, the religion of islam but the people were beautiful wonderful friendly warm and it was really an experience that I will, I think, I'm sure Ijazi will uh, concur. Brother uh, Abbas, uh, yeah. excuse me for interrupting, but is there a link? Because people are asking for the link. For? 
for joining the oh, for joining the stream. Yeah, okay, yeah. so what I'll do, I'll quickly put that link into. I apologize for interrupting. No, no, uh, I think that's very, very important. We must have forgotten to do that. What I'll do, uh, okay, so somebody, actually, our brother Anis has probably already put the link in. It's yeah, in the chat. We'll try to include it if we can in the description in the bottom of the uh, of the YouTube um, video that's playing as well. But obviously, you can just copy it off the comments here. And you can, inshallah, that it's comes pinned, right. Alhamdulillah, it's pinned at the chat now. Okay, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So, Alhamdulillah. so we've got the link there on the screen as well for you. Um, and, of course, you, all you need to do is copy, paste it into your uh, into your computer, and it should bring you straight onto the uh, straight of the stream. But, yeah, Alhamdulillah, I mean, the, the Ijaz, what was your experience? The people were just beautiful people, really, from all over the world. But in particular, for me, anyway, I don't know if you agree, Ijaz, but for me, um, the South American... And of course, uh, Central America, you know, uh, Mexico, um, but you know, uh, Brazil, uh, Uruguay, Colombia, uh, Chile, Argentina. These people were just so beautiful, weren't they? They were so uh, interested. They wanted to really find out, and it was so different <laughs> from re- and very refreshing from the sort of dower that we sometimes sort of find ourselves in in Speaker's Corner. It was just. It was just a completely different way of doing that. What, what was your thoughts, Ijaz, on that? Oh, alhamdulillah. It, the, the people from Central and South America, which are my people, incidentally, they were very kind. They were inquisitive on a very good level. They did not bring with them polemics or the purpose of arguing. They sincerely just wanted to ask, why is this place so clean? Why is it so peaceful? Why are the people so pleasant and nice? Where, why is there no hooliganism from the football? Why is it that you have Iranians, Americans, the Saudi Arabians marching in the souk, dancing with each other, the men with the men, the women yeah. just following along? It yeah. was such an enlightening experience to know that you can have interactions like that and it's from start to end positive. Yeah. I want some tea. I'm from Chile or I'm from Peru or Ecuador. And there was so much other brother Abbas. You had so many meaningful conversations. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the people, you know, when, when we see that akhlaq is a form of da'wah, we saw that yeah. live in Qatar. Just yeah. by the place where you are, the location, yeah. the environment, it shaped the kind of da'wah that we experienced. Yeah. And I have to say, that I, I sincerely hope to the thousands that we interacted with, that yeah. alhamdulillah, you know, we hope that many of them one day, inshallah, embrace the truth which others yeah. And the interesting thing was, Ijaz, that we didn't actually like go there to do debates or to no. to do sort of dawah as, as in the more conventional sense. It was just to engage with people, ask them if they were having a good experience, asking them if they enjoyed the culture of Qatar and the Qatari people, <clears throat> and then just literally just uh, asking them, where do you think this is influenced from? Yes. Uh, and they were sort of, where, where, well, uh, you might know that most Muslim countries, if not all, are very heavily influenced by Islam. And these are some of the basic teachings of Islam. And they were just really pleasant and, and friendly people, mashallah. And I think, like you said, they were, they engaged and for me, it was it was really motivational because what it showed me is that there is so much good dawah that you can do around the world. Yes. 
Uh, and sometimes we can sometimes feel that, oh, it's more like speaker's corner, but actually it doesn't have to be that way. There's so much good dawah that can be done uh, with people engaging in that way, mashallah. Uh, brothers and sisters in the in the backstage, if you want to come on, you do have to have your, um, your camera connected <clears throat> and we have to be able to see you. Could I, uh, Brother Abbas, yeah. if it's, I have like 30 seconds just to give one story from our experience. Please do. Uh, uh, there was this American couple who had raised both of their young children in Qatar for all of the kids' lives. These people were supporting the uh, U.S. men's national football team. They got the flags on the faces of the kids painted. And they came to a booth where they can try on the abaya for women and the, the head covering and the ishar for the men, the thob. And the kids loved it. But this young girl, maybe around the age of, was it six, seven? After she took off the abaya, she started to cry. And the re she became very emotional because she wanted to keep on the abaya. And her mother was so tender with this, she loved it. And the brothers and sisters who were there, they got an abaya especially for this little girl. And she dressed up herself in it immediately. The tears were gone. And she was posing with it. And we took so many photos with her. So, you know, in the past, when I used to hear stories like this of Dawah, and you read them in the historical accounts, just the cross-cultural exchange having such an impact on people and leading them to openly embrace their Islamic ideas, beliefs, and habits, I saw this happen in front of me. And I say to myself, how many people think in the West that we force the abaya on the woman, and yet they choose to have it, and in this innocent little girl, who is not poisoned by negative news or anything like this, that environment encouraged her to be happy, to wear something that made her feel comfortable. I said, you know what, subhanAllah, for me, I saw the truth of Islam in that moment, and I have appreciation for it. No, I totally agree with you, mashallah. And the, the other thing was that it wasn't just children. There were adults who were putting on the full abaya and, and, and the hijab, obviously, and their husbands, their partners were putting on the Arabic, mashallah. Yes. <laughs> and then they were taking photographs together, and they actually commented that it looks really beautiful. They loved the yes. fact that it looked the way. So it, it was a really nice experience. And then to... I talk to these people and, and and talk about culture and obviously a little bit about religion and it was it was just amazing i had a fantastic time okay, we need so, to yeah. go back abbas we need to go oh, back i'm gonna let you know right now hassan sent me a message so a quick shout out to brother hassan may allah preserve him i mean and keep him smiling i mean he sent me a message i think we got to go back abbas there, oh, there's still a couple of days there's still a couple of days before the final listen yeah. i'll get a direct flight and I'll meet you there, inshallah. No? Subhanallah, that would be a dream come true. But uh, unfortunately, I, I think uh, commitments uh, are such that it's going to be impossible. But it would be a lovely thought. Okay, so we're going to get our guests on, inshallah. We've got a couple of brothers waiting already. Uh, Brother Agung, can you please just give me a wave? Lovely. Okay, we're going to get you on next, brother. Welcome to the stream, brother. Hello, can everyone hear me? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Assalamualaikum, brother. So, uh, thank you yeah, for letting me join. Uh, I have a simple question of you. So, I think a couple of weeks ago, like I was watching a debate of Brother Daniel, Daniel Hakikaju, 
with a atheist and some of the watchers actually giving them a questions to the atheist. The questions was all, would you have a intercourse with a corpse? And the atheist says, yes, if there is two consents. Well, that's kind of funny, actually. Everyone like laughing, the Daniel and the moderator. So my question was, this is my question. How us as a Muslims using our stuff like Quran and Hadith or even the saying of our scholars, how could we answer those questions? Thank you so much. So, brother, I mean, um, I, I let the other brothers come in there, but to, to have uh, intercourse, first of all, with anyone that's not married to you is completely haram anyway. But uh, there are specific rulings, of course, um, for the deceased. And uh, Islamically, this would be regarded unanimously as completely haram as well to do this. It would be completely immoral uh, to do this. Um, now, the thing is, from a purely atheistic uh, or secular point of view, um, I think you'd have great difficulty in arguing against something like this, especially if before the person died, they gave consent. Um, you know, uh, as, as, as gruesome and as grotesque as it may sound uh, to us, even the thought of such a thing, uh, but from a, without God in the picture... Um, if the person has given consent before they died, um, I think you'd be hard pushed to, to argue um, with any sort of definite form of morality uh, that it would be unjust uh, or, 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 you know, uh, immoral. Uh, but I'll, I'll let Brother Ijaz come in there first, inshallah, and then Brother Irfan to, to come in there, Brother, Brother Ijaz. Yeah. So, mashallah, so to Nisa, that's chapter 4 of the Quran, ayat 22 to 24. Let us know who the lawful women are to marry. Among them, deceased people are not mentioned. So if one wanted an explicit ayah, here it is. It tells you what is allowed. Therefore, from this we can infer what's not allowed. So it's just Surah 4, uh, Ayat number 22 to 24, and you can just pick it up and read it at your own pleasure. But there's also an ethical question that you have to you have to question the claim being brought, which is why would someone in the first place find it okay to have the thought even of having relations with a deceased body? Naturally, humans have an aversion to it. And in the prophetic sunnah, there is that narration, if you have no shame, then do as you please. Some of the shayukh, they mention that this can be understood to mean that naturally, if you feel that something is shameful, it is your fitra indicating that this is wrong. Many of us don't even like to look at dead bodies, nonetheless touch them. So just a person having basic shame and decency, they would not even think of such a thing. So this is an evidence against a person having alignment with their fitra or of even having basic moral decency. There may be a third point here, which is how can you get consent from something which is, uh, uh, what, what is the word here, non-sentient? In effect, it's just a material thing. And so we have to ask, what is the person thinking about or what are the reasons that would lead them to even entertain such a thought? For me, this is enough 
uh, to judge a person as maybe criminally insane. But I, I leave it to Brother Irfan because this is his specialty, mashallah. Specialty to debate atheists, not this particular. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Give me a wrong reputation. Alhamdulillah, I'm glad you clarified that because that could have turned <laughs> into a, a, you know, an unfortunate meme or something. Yes. God, you know, God forbid. <laughs> okay, so um, what what I would like what I would like to mention here is that, like, I you know even when atheists when they say that okay. I think it is um, they do this when like they they try to be a bit consistent with what what position they hold okay uh, because at the same time you will find a lot of atheists try to say no and try to um uh, evade this kind of questions by saying no it's not good or something but definitely um uh, eventually if one of them is honest like something like this will come out where it really shows that they have no no grounding for objective morality. And that means that even if the most thing an atheist can do is saying that I don't prefer to do to to do this act, like I don't prefer to do it, but um, claiming that something is wrong for everyone and every time is like they don't have the tools for that. And uh, comparing it with Islam, there is no comparison at, at all because we say we have something external over the human being uh, that created the human being, giving him his morality. We have this uh, uh, f foundation, like external. It's not just my opinion and then another human being can come and um, uh, disagree with me and there would be no criteria, any of our both opinions being valued over the other. No, it's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's like God who created everything, the universe, and the human being as something as a weak creation amongst all the other creations. Like subhanAllah, Allah even says in the Quran, um, it is maybe as well in Surah Nisa, if I remember well, and the human being was created weak. So subhanAllah, this, this like uh, subhanAllah being that created everything and from it the human being, he he's like the source uh, of our morality, subhanAllah. And I wanted to say something else, but um, I kind of lost the... I think because he does his uh, introduction, because yeah. his, his introduction was quite dodgy, <laughs> that he, he sort of threw you into your, you know, you, you no, to no. Get to sort of set, initially you have to get to defensive mode and then explain. And then anyway, he does, uh, please, next time. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> no, um, but uh, yeah, brother, uh, brother, uh, is it brother Agung? Is that right? Have I said it yeah, correctly? Correct. correct. So do, do, you, do, you, do you see where we're coming from, brother Agung? I see. I see. Actually, the uh, question, the answer from, Mr. Irfan was quite good. I think at the moment it was quite clear for me. But how if he or someone who going to ask me that questions? How yes, could so, I... so basically what you're saying is somebody asked you that question, how would you answer yes. it? So I think Brother Ijaz did touch on the fact that the Quran specifically specifies who you can marry. And therefore, yeah, yeah. anybody outside of that would automatically mean that you would not be able to, to marry. Um, and a, a deceased person would, would definitely fall into that category. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, and the thing is that, you know, within scholarship, there are things about uh, um, morality, decency, and these type of things. And this would definitely fall outside of what would be regarded as acceptable practices 
Uh, I don't think you'll ever have throughout Islamic history any scholar ever allowing such an act to, to take place. And in fact, I mean, depending on the fiqh that you follow, the different rulings, of course, for fiqh, some do say that upon the upon the death, the nikah actually breaks from the a husband and the wife. So he's, he's no longer actually uh, able to be with her alone. Now, there is some di- difference of opinion about this. Uh, one of the differences is that when um, I think it was Aisha Anha and the Prophet Sallallahu was speaking and she said, well, what if I die first? Then he said that I would uh, I would lift you into the grave. I would lower you into the grave with my own hands, something along those lines. And so from that, some of the fiqhi rulings are that actually, if that were the case, that the nikah would break, the Prophet Sallallahu would not have said this. So there are some differences. Of opinion. However, there's definitely no difference of opinion when it comes to um, uh, you know, any type of uh, intimate contact, let alone the extreme. We're talking about even minor intimate contact. contact. This would not be allowed within Islam. Um, and, and this was, I think, categorically accepted by, by scholarship. And it would not be seen as something that would be... I don't know if there is a specific hadith that covers this or not. We can maybe later in the program, if we can maybe uncover something specific that was asked or said or whatever... But um, I, I hope that answers your question, Brother Agung. Yeah. Brother Arfan, yeah. yeah, just just to uh, add one more thing. I think because like the atheists are always in such a weak position, because like I, I always repeat this because I think this is so important. Like atheism is not just negating the existence of God. It has implications. And losing the grounding for morality that religious people have is uh, one of the implications of atheism. And so, so some theists even called this action of atheists by trying to be trying to ground morality while being atheists. I'm not saying being moral. I'm talking about grounding morality, making a moral philosophy. They call it they're stealing from religion. That's what they do. They're mm. stealing from theists and religious people, yeah. trying to hold to these morals that they cannot justify. So... Mm. If an atheist would ask me this question, I, I would answer very confidently. I would say, because Allah prohibit me, prohibited me to do this. Finish, no problem. But then you have to know, because a lot of our brothers, what they do in da'wah, when the atheist is asking him these kind of questions, he tries to answer and evade and stuff. Trust me when I tell you that you're in the stronger position. So as, as soon as I answered, because... Allah, the God of the heaven and the earth, he says it is forbidden, so it's objectively wrong for me. I would ask him, I would turn another question to him, I would say, why would you need his consent to do this? Because where do you get this from, that you need his consent? On atheism, he cannot even prove that he needs consent. Where does he get that from? So the best thing you may say, well, we live in a, a liberal society and we have this harm principle and stuff. And he said, you can say, where, where does that come, come from? And then if he says maybe, well, as a society, we agree to this. So you can say the society agrees that uh, on the opposite. Does your society has any like more uh, philosophical value over this other society? And you will see like how everything breaks down under his feet. So don't always like be defensive when they ask these questions because they think like uh, they are like the militant atheists I'm talking about, not like people who are like confused and they're searching for truth, but they think they they can really harm us with these questions. But in fact, like they're in the glass house throwing with stones. 
I think it's a very important point. Um, you know, even uh, Brother Agung, I don't know where, what country you're from, but growing up in England, uh, you were often, when you were young, you felt like you were in the back, on the back foot defending your position of Islam. Alhamdulillah, over the years, I've realized, you know, and, you know, maybe this comes with, uh, mashallah, good teachers around you. It maybe comes with, uh, you know, Allah, of course, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instilling this in, in you. But now I don't feel, you know, that we have to be on the back foot defending. We are on the, actually, we are on the front foot calling out, uh, uh, you know, um, systems that are clearly breaking down, are, are destructive for society. Uh, and I think the last 50 years actually has shown uh, a tremendous amount of data um, that supports the family structure, the the traditional marriage structure, the traditional family structure of, of children, uh, the traditional structure where at least one parent, and usually that happens to be the mother who spends more time with the children and, you know, and how that flourishes. And of course, we're not giving a fatwa here saying that a woman has to be at home and she has to be like, we're not saying that. Of course, mashallah, we do have uh, very successful uh, mothers out there who are also doctors or teachers and mashallah have wonderful families. So we're not making some head and fast rule. But what we're saying is, generally speaking, generally speaking, uh, all of the structures that Islam has placed are the ones that through 50 years of data, 100 years of data, actually is being proven over and over again. So we don't need to be on the back foot, alhamdulillah. We have to be on the front foot and say, look, this is our religion this is our deen, and in that is our honor, in that is our, you know, our integrity, and in that is our firmness and our strength. And that, you know, and, and we want to help you and advise you, the non-Muslim, that what we have is something beautiful that you will really benefit from. Um, so we don't need to be on the back foot because what we have, alhamdulillah, is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, you know, it's a great advice, uh, Brother um, uh, Ijaz and Brother Arfan. Uh, I just want to put this quick comment on, um, you know, um, from this guy, uh, I believe it's a guy, Sam, you know, who's saying, is that all you people do is just publicly talk about private activity? Well, uh, Sam, just to uh, clarify Islam is not just about how you behave in public. Islam is how you behave in private as well. Because for us Muslims, and Sam, because you have a picture, I believe, look, looks like a, a depiction of Christianity, of, of Christ, of Jesus. Of course, we wouldn't agree with that. But, you know, I'm presuming you're Christian. And if I'm wrong, I, I you know, I, I would respectfully, uh, you know, uh, apologize. But from what I can see, you know, you're saying private privacy in being private doesn't mean that Allah is not watching you. It doesn't mean Allah is not seeing everything you're doing. So publicly or privately for Muslims, we have to behave in a certain way. It's not acceptable for us to be, behave in an immoral way uh, in a private setting uh, as it is in a public setting. Of course, in a public setting, it would be worse because now you're spreading uh, fitna, you're spreading um, turmoil and, and, and tests within society. But we as Muslims have to behave uh, according to a certain conduct, even in private matters. And furthermore, just very quickly, when you don't discuss cert certain matters like this, it potentially could be something that could affect somebody's mother or somebody's daughter or somebody's sister, uh, you know, uh, or somebody's wife who passes away, who dies. 
and you know that there's a situation of potentially people who might be handling the body for example as we live in the west there are multiple people that might be handling the body those implications of those potential harms uh, could exceed just that private setting so it is a very important issue and that's why alhamdulillah in islam we don't shy away from such topics we talk about them and we deal with them uh, because we don't be believe in brushing things under the carpet uh, it's a valid question that the brother agung has asked uh, and i hope that we've ma managed to uh, answer it brother agung are you happy with the answers inshallah that you've received yeah actually quite clear quite clear thank you so much yeah, for the answer you're welcome and thank you very much for coming on brother yeah, and where, where are you, you from brother agung i'm from indonesia Indonesia. Oh, thank you yeah, so much for because, staying yeah. up because it's probably very, is it very early in the morning there now, right? Uh, 3, 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Oh, so khair yeah. for, for uh, <laughs> being so patient and coming on. Yeah, I'm glad you. you've got your time. Thank you, everyone. brother. Salaam alaikum, doctor. How are you? You're a little bit fuzzy, doctor, today. What's going on? You're like uh, slightly underwater. The focus is not quite as is crisp as you normally have it, mashallah. Maybe I'm not uh, as crisp as I normally am. But oh, uh, I think, mashallah, you're always very, very crisp. Okay, we're gonna, yeah. we did have a brother, Paul. I want to get him on because he was on one of, very early, but I, I think he was having some issues with his uh, camera. Brother Paul, are you still, are you still there? Okay, can you just give us a quick? Uh, if you could just switch your camera on, I'll, I'll let you. I'll give you an opportunity to switch it off. Can you just give me a quick thumbs up? Is that all right? Lovely. You can switch your camera off if you'd like to. Uh, we'll get you on next, brother Paul. Uh, brother Paul, welcome to the stream. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam, brother. Assalamualaikum. Uh, so I have a few questions, but um, I'm just going to start with one I feel like is most important. Before um, you start, Brother Paul, can I just quickly confirm, are you a truck driver? <laughs> I work for Amazon. I'm a delivery driver. We, because you know what it is, Brother Paul? We love we love truck drivers and we love drivers, mashallah, that come onto the show. Uh, Alhamdulillah, obviously by the sound of your uh, initial remarks, I, I take it that, mashallah, you are Muslim. Uh, were you born Muslim or did you convert to Islam, brother? Um. So I, I I reverted to Islam. I have like a, a it's a backstory. I was I was a Christian, then I left Christianity, then I joined the Nation of Islam, and then I found big problems with the Nation of Islam, and then I found actually Sunni Islam. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Welcome, welcome to the stream, my brother. What's your What's your question? All right. So, um, like I said, um, I was in the Nation of Islam, and one thing I found in the nation is they don't really teach Islam. It's more about uh, politics and African-American and for African-American. And as an African-American, that hits close to home because the history that America has against us. And I'm not only like I'm African-American, but I'm also Haitian. And the history that France have against Haiti, that also hits close to home. So. Um, one thing that stood out to me, like a question that always, I guess, was on my head is like, what do I have to adopt a, like an Arab culture? Do I have to wear the soap? Do I have to like drink tea? I know it might seem like a silly question, but to me, right, I'm proud to be a black man. You know what I mean? Um, and then I don't want it to be like a situation where 
like I'm already in Islam. I believe in the prophet peace be upon him. But do I have to put my blackness to the side? That's a like, that's a really really great question. I think, and I think it's going to be a question, inshallah, that a lot of people will be interested in. And I think that. It, it, you know, a lot of people will uh, hopefully get some really good information from us. Jazakallah khair for asking the question. I'm going to get Dr. Imran actually to start with this particular question. Uh, I know that we've much addressed it several times, but I, I love the way that the, um, the doctor does the surgery. And since it is Dava Clinic and the doctor has arrived, mashallah, I think the doctor, let's let's get the uh, surgery on the way, inshallah. Ta'ala. Okay, alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for... Uh... The intro, it was more than I deserve, maybe. But, um, Assalamu alaikum, brother Paul, lovely to have you here. And uh, Jazakallah care for your for giving the background. Um, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you're, you're, we, this is quite often asked, and usually it's asked by people, um, who are usually, uh, right wing and Christian white people. And you ask this question, you know, are you trying to Arabize me, or, you know, are you, is this what you're trying to do? Now, Islam is uh, Islam is not uh, it's not based upon an ethnicity. So people aren't uh, Allah is not calling a specific ethnicity to Islam, or you're not required to become Arab in any way whatsoever. What you're all you're required to do is uh, what you're already doing. You know, Alhamdulillah is that uh, accept that only Allah is worthy of worship, and um, that the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him is the final messenger, and follow the guidance that comes with that. And then whatever within your culture is uh, within the Sharia. So, for example, if it's in the, in, in the culture that you're living in is that you drink alcohol, then you would not drink the alcohol because that's not part of what Islam teaches you, that this is not allowed, so you wouldn't do that. So as long as the things within your culture don't conflict with any rulings within Islam, there's no other, um, there's no other issue at all. Uh, you can dress it the way you would normally dress as long as the, the the rulings in terms of the clothing be loose and to you know cover a certain part of the body etc are fulfilled um when it comes to some people they they mistake uh, they do make the mistake of uh, trying to follow uh, the prophet Muhammad peace be upon him uh, but in their minds what they think this is is to to start dressing like the muslims that they know around them and who who claim to be doing the same thing. So you often find reverts or people who become Muslim, they will start dressing like and, and behaving like and eating like the Muslims that happen to help them to come into Islam. So, uh, you know, people start wearing surah kameezi if the people help them to become Muslim uh, were Pakistani or, you know, if they if some Arab brothers helped you, they start to wear these uh, thobes. And it, but this is something not required by the religion. You're, this is something that we bring ourselves. And... It's it's very interesting. So definitely, no, you don't have to become an Arab at all. You're, the, Allah says in the Quran that he created all of mankind from a single soul, and he divided us into nations and tribes. And you know this already. I know I'm preaching uh, to you to a certain extent. But the, And then Allah gives a reason, and they're perfect. The, the verse has just come up. So Allah gives a reason why this was happened, this happened. And it says, oh, oh, mankind, indeed we created you from male and female and made you peoples and tribes that you may know one another. And that's really the key. So our differences that we have in our culture and our ethnicity, etc., this is from um, the, the blessings of Allah. And we have to, it's, it's, uh, the idea is we come to know each other and we learn about each other. It's like uh, you know, the spice of life. Imagine you had a salad just full of cucumbers. It would just be a boring salad. Whereas if it, the, the variety of humanity is that all the different colors and the flavors of the world are there, and we are all Muslims, 
And the, the, the next part of the verse is really uh, important. It says, indeed, the most noble of you in the sight of Allah is the most righteous of you, ones who have the most taqwa. And so the only way we are differentiated is nothing to do with our looks, nothing to do with the way we dress, nothing to do with the languages we're speaking, but actually how close we are to Allah, uh, how, how much uh, taqwa we have of Allah. So the, the, the answer for you is that, uh, which, which you know, probably know already by the, by the sounds of your journey, is that you're not required to become Arab or Pakistani or Indonesian or Malaysian. No, you're required to become Muslim and take the parts of your culture that are good and you, you would keep them. And the things that are in conflict with Islam and the Sharia, you would avoid them. So Islam is a diverse, beautiful religion for mankind, not for any specific group of people. Um, I think you're probably expecting that. Uh, it, was that what you were? Is that okay for you, brother? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, I have a. Uh, the my next question. If, it's okay, if I, I if I may add a couple of things to that before he goes to the next question, please, please do. Yeah, please go ahead. Because I, uh, subhanAllah, some stuff came into my mind while uh, I was hearing the question, and inshallah, uh, it's going to be beneficial. So one thing is that when the scholars like talk about the clothing of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, he used to clothe like his people clothed, okay? So the the principle that the scholars take from this, this that is sunnah, like the sunnah of the Prophet, is that you clothe as your people clothe, as long as the clothing doesn't go against uh, the rulings of Islam. And there is even a principle in fiqh, what is called libas al-shuhra, uh, that you have certain clothing where you stand out, like from the older people. And this is um, uh, warned against, that the scholars speak against this. You should not wear something uh, that is totally not from that culture. So when you walk down the street, everyone looks at you. So somewhere, maybe like that's even with the kamis like this. And uh, it, it goes even so far that uh, I, I saw like certain fatwas speaking about the turban. So they were like, okay, is it just because the prophet used to wear the tur turban, is it now sunnah to wear the tur turban? And a lot of scholars said, no, it's not sunnah to wear actually the turban, except if you do it for loving the prophet and you want to be more similar to the prophet, like just just like some some of the companions used to even place their foots where the prophet placed his foots because they loved him so much, you will be rewarded for that love. But the clothing in itself, it is not like, it hasn't like an Islamic meaning, okay? So headwear, we know headwear, for example, is sunnah. The prophet used to cover his head most of the time, but there is not one specific headwear you have to do that with. It's not obligatory, but it's like it's, it's good, but if, even if you look at the Muslims around the world, they don't have one head uh, headwear. One of them have turbans, one of them have these hats, one of them have like all that. The, the Moroccans have this red hat that's a bit uh, bigger. So yeah, and even subhanAllah, the Prophet ﷺ himself, he sometimes like he encountered things from other cultures that he didn't like for himself, but he didn't prohibit it. So for example, I have this incident of uh, the dub. This, it's a kind of animal. It's like a lizard. It lives in the desert and it becomes very big in the Arabian desert. And they eat this. And the Prophet, when he saw these people eating it, he allowed it. But he said, how can you eat this? Because it was not from his culture. He couldn't eat it. But he didn't prohibit them following their culture by eating uh, this lizard. So, subhanAllah, we clearly see like um, that you everyone can hold this culture as long like it's in the Islamic framework then alhamdulillah there's nothing wrong with that alhamdulillah brother paul uh, how was that in terms of an answer for you 
It was great. I appreciate it. Thank you. And did you have another question, Brother Paul? Yes, I do. So, um, is the beard law in Islam? I have a patchy, like, struggle beard. I can't grow it out. I've been trying to grow it since I was 16. Um, and I have two jobs. In my other job, we have to be, like, trimmed and kept nice. So I can't really attempt to grow my beard out. So is it law in Islam for us to have a beard? So that's a bit of a fiki question. However, there are differences of opinion on terms of the beard. Generally, um, depending upon what school you're following or, or opinion you're following, uh, some people would say that uh, they sh you shouldn't trim at all. So you should just basically grow out as much as it can grow. So if it go literally gets down to your uh, chest or even lower, that's fine. That's what you should be doing. The 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 other perhaps on the other extreme. Uh, the opinion is that um, as long as from 40 spaces, 40 paces away, when you look at a man and you can see that there's there is facial hair, so there is a beard, then this would be sufficient. Now, we can't actually give a ruling here in terms of what the length of your beard should be, because, um, as I say, there's fiqh rulings and there are differences of opinions. Uh, the, for, the Hanafi madhab says that if when you hold your beard like this, it should be to the, your fist uh, level. Uh, but as I say, there are different rulings um, uh, that exist. But having a beard, that much I think we can say, having a beard is necessary and you should have a beard. Um, uh, so that's that's what is necessary. Now, if you have a medical condition, some of our brothers do have medical conditions where they have certain skin uh, irritations, uh, then they can't have a beard or they can't have a long beard. Um, some of us, I know that um, uh, we, we have sleep apnea, so we have to wear a mask. Um, and often those people are told that they shouldn't have a beard at all. They should be clean shaven for the mask to fit. But then some of the brothers will at least grow something, at least so it does look like they have a beard. But um, having a beard, I think we can all agree, is necessary for a Muslim man and that you should have a beard. Um, and if you're in a job or in a situation where they want you to be clean shaven, um, I, I think the ulama generally would say that it's probably better to look for an, another job uh, and, and have your beard. Uh, of course, every case is different. And if it was going to be a matter of starvation or a matter of, uh, you know, complete deprivation or something, then you may be given permission just for that time when you're looking to move elsewhere or whatever. Uh, so you would have to ask that ruling from a, from a scholar. But uh, I don't know if the brothers want to touch on that at all. Uh, Ijaz, why don't you come in there, inshallah? I don't think I have anything additional to add. It is required to have a beard. Um, if you let it go and it can go beyond that, then that's fine because you've allowed it to go. Uh, as long as you've done that, you're covered. Uh, beyond this, um, you, generally, you should not cut the beard. You should at least have it a fist length minimum if you can allow it to grow. Um, but if you have like skin issues, you have to consult a doctor and whether or not they tell you that you need to shave or trim to apply some kind of medication, you take that information to your local imam or kavi and they'll give you a personal fatwa just to get exactly. things by. Yeah. So that's what we advise you to do in your situation. And uh, that's basically it. Alhamdulillah. Uh, brother Arfan, brother Imran, do you want to add anything to that at all? Alhamdulillah, I think. Okay. Brother Paul, does that help? Does that answer your question, inshallah? 
Yes, indeed. I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Brother Paul, you know, the first question you asked was a beautiful question because Islam came to preserve lineage, preserve um, your identity as where you are from. Uh, who you, that's why even when you go to Africa, the brothers will wear the African garments with the African, um, their particular design. So from Ghana, maybe from uh, Nigeria, they'll have a specific um, design. Very colorful. Very colorful, but it will be specific to that, sometimes specific to that tribe even. They, they will do that. And this is a wonderful thing that this is where Islam is so diverse. Uh, Mashallah, it celebrates diversity. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, black culture has many beautiful aspects of it, which Islam, as long as they do not contradict with the uh, Tawheed, the oneness of Allah and the rulings of Islam, then those should be celebrated just as, uh, you know, um, being born in. For example, me and Imran, you know, we were born in the, in the UK. And, and I asked my uncle, who was a scholar, may Allah uh, give him Jannah, uh, what should I wear at Jummah? Because it says that wear the best garments of your people. And he said to me, well, you're born in England, so you should wear the smartest... A Chelsea football T-shirt. I don't know about that. I don't think he would have gone that far. That would be blasphemous, I think, subhanAllah, to do something like that. But he, but he said to me, just wear something that covers your aura uh, in your salah, some, a long shirt, maybe below your... Uh, you know, your area when you do your sijda, so it covers uh, a, a long shirt, maybe a smart shirt with a smart pair of trousers, as long as, of course, they're not very tight, because, of course, for even a man, it's loose uh, clothing. And he said that would be the best clothes for you to wear because your community is in England now and you are a, you're from England. So this is the beautiful thing about Islam. It just celebrates diversity, celebrates differences. But what it does do, it unites us all. Um, in the belief of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we all make changes where they're necessary in, in order to basically conform to the sharia of modesty and obviously of covering up and things like that. But jazakallah khair for your question, brother Paul. I really enjoyed uh, having you on and please do come back again uh, if you do have any other questions. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate all you guys. I watch you guys all the time. Thank you for all that you do. And for all of my friends that, that are not Muslim, I take EF Dawah and I make them like when they come over to my house, I make them all sit down and watch it. And granted, they, they're not moving to be um, Muslims, but they do find it interesting. So I do appreciate you guys. Well, Jazakallah khair, brother. Please remember us in your in your prayers, in your dua, inshallah ta'ala, because uh, it, really uh, one of the things that I even say to Dr. Imran, and, and we've said it amongst ourselves, is that everything that we do in public, we don't really rely upon because of course we can never really know if our intentions are completely pure but all of you brothers and sisters mashallah who constantly are praying for us we we hope that at least allah will accept those prayers uh and that we will benefit from that so please do remember us in your prayers and our families inshallah ta'ala in your prayers as well and jazakallah khair for coming on brother paul no problem you guys have a good day thank you brother Mashallah, it's, it's lovely. Uh, so, Dr. Imran, Mashallah, we have some wonderful news. I wanted to, I didn't want to sort of say it straight away. Um, so now I'm going to show you, brothers and sisters, a little video of uh, a brother who called us uh, from Australia. Uh, some of you will, inshallah, remember him. So I'm going to just play that video and then, and then we're going to have a little chat afterwards, inshallah. 
Christians just stood themselves in front of a mirror. And you believe in the Prophet Muhammad is the messenger of Allah? If you had asked me that two plus years ago, I probably would have said no. Everything that I had ever heard of Islam was you're trying to kill everybody, trying to blow people up. Ashhadu. Ashhadu. An la. An la. Allah is the boss. Whatever he says goes. If you want to enter paradise, it's pretty much been going looking at you guys listening almost pretty much every day, really. I've actually probably at this stage run out of video to watch. I do get there is things taught in the Mormon religion regarding the Godhead, but as far as I'm concerned, however you want to call him God, Allah, Heavenly Father, he is who he is. There ain't no other, there never will be. So just and to clarify, you, you don't believe in a, do you believe in a Godhead? Because a Godhead is really a multiple beings or persons within the one being. Do you believe in that concept or do you believe that uh, there is only one God who is one in person? No, just the one. Even if you'd had, to be honest, if most Christians just stood themselves in front of a mirror and explained what they try and tell you guys to themselves and just thought about what they'd actually say, it makes no sense whatsoever. The way I envisage when people mention Godhead, because that's, I'd say, the Mormon's version of the Trinity for the rest of Christianity that believes that part of it, is similar to the way you'd envisage a business. The CEO, he's the man upstairs, he has the final say in everything, that's God. And then you've obviously got Jesus Christ, who, as far as we were taught, when I was younger, he's basically God's right-hand man. Whether that's true or not, whether that conflicts with what you guys teach in Islam is a different story. Then the whole, I remember you got, I don't know if it was this stream or if it was a previous one, it came up in conversation that for you guys, the Holy Spirit, that's Gabriel. In which, for me, it kind of makes sense because whenever you go back and think about whether it was God talking to Moses or any of the other prophets, whenever something would happen, whether it's the burning bush or other times the prophets at the time would actually see something for me it never made sense because you couldn't if even if someone wanted to try and make the case that that was god it doesn't make sense because whenever god's described himself it's basically if i showed myself to you you would die it's interesting so i'm going to just stop the video there for a bit because it's a long video so what i would ask brothers and sisters to do it's on our channel and um, i'm going to try and fast forward it to the to the bit where you know let's have a look if we could get to that bit let's have i will a look. say it to you in arabic and okay. then the english will follow Are you happy with that all right so alhamdulillah i've managed to pretty much uh, every day really i've actually probably at this yeah, stage run out of videos to watch i do get there is things taught in the mormon okay, my, my mouse has just died on me can you just as as video for me, Imran, however just you... sorry no, my, my I, can, mouth I can is... do it inshallah yeah, my mouse is done. So, you Imran, if you can just play test. from the, the bit that we wanted to play on, inshallah. And then we can go from there, help you on your journey, brother. Nothing, really. Whatever you're happy okay. with, brother. Ash Hadu. Ash Hadu. An La. An La. Ilaha. Ilaha. Illallah. Illallah. Wa. Ash Hadu. Anna. Anna. Muhammad. Muhammad. Rasul Allah. Rasul Allah. I testify and I bear witness. I testify and I bear witness. That there is nothing worthy of worship. That there is nothing worthy of worship. Except Allah. Except Allah. And I testify and bear witness. And I testify and I bear witness. That Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. That Muhammad is the messenger. Of Peace be upon him. Peace be upon him. Peace be upon him. Allah. Welcome to the community, bro. Okay, so I'm going to just connect up my mouse. So if we can just take that screen off, uh, Doctor. Um, 
So as you can see, brothers and sisters, mashallah, uh, brother Sioni, uh, he did his shahada about six weeks ago. Is that right, Dr. Imran? You're just muted. Sorry. Yeah, alhamdulillah, it was approximately six about, weeks about ago. About six weeks yeah. ago. Now, alhamdulillah, I've got some fantastic news because um, brother Sioni reached out to us and he said that his wife would like to speak to us. Now, originally, it was going to be me and Dr. Imran, but my mother wasn't well today, so I had to do some things for her, spend some time with her, take her to just get some checks done. And mashallah, uh, Dr. Imran met them uh, online this morning around 11 o'clock, I think it was. Is that right? 11 a.m. Yeah. Now, um, what, what was the result of that uh, discussion you had with Brother Sioni's wife, uh, Dr. Imran? Well, alhamdulillah, first of all, uh, beautiful people, really, really, I mean, good characteristics already, mashallah, you know, Allah's blessed them, beautiful couple, uh, get on, get on with each other and amazingly well. Um, they're both lucky to have each other in their lives. It's really, really, I was, it was an honor to sort of speak to them. And I could see, I could feel the sincerity. It was a very open discussion, mashallah. Um, but in the end, mashallah, I think we spoke about a few things. We spoke for almost uh, 90 minutes, maybe a bit longer, hour and a half, maybe. And... Uh, uh then uh, the brother's wife mashallah when, when we asked her about her beliefs and what she thought about what we discussed um mashallah she took her shahada alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. today alhamdulillah. Uh, may Allah bless her and bless the family um really f- f- as a family for that to happen mashallah it was it was very overwhelming to see yeah. because inshallah that they're, they're in a position that's very unique in that both husband and wife now pulling in the same direction uh, particularly with this sort of, uh, you know, belief in Allah, and that's this will obviously have impact upon the family, and we wish them all Mashallah the best. Look with... Actually, speak of uh, speak of our great friend, Mashallah. I, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> Let's get him on straight away. And Mashallah, I, I'm seeing some changes, Mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> brother Sioni, Assalamu alaikum, brother. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Walaikum salam, brothers. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Very beautiful beard, brother. I'm very sorry that I couldn't join you today, brother Sioni. But I, I had to. Um, my mother was. Uh, she had some dental issues and it was bleeding quite badly, so I had to get those sorted out. It was a bit of an emergency, but Alhamdulillah, she's fine. May, may Allah heal her. I mean, I mean. But uh, I heard the great news, and I was so happy. Obviously, for your wife, for our, our lovely sister, I was really happy for you as well. That mashallah, you know, as a family unit, alhamdulillah. One of the things that I asked Dr. Imran and we were just speaking is that uh, I think he asked your uh, your wife, what did she notice about you after you'd accepted Islam? And and she she really did, mashallah, speak very positively about the changes. And subhanallah, this is the beautiful thing that when we truly absorb the teachings of Islam. The people around us realize that something very, uh, you know, something very big has just happened tra- in, tra- in, in terms of transformation. But Jazakallah Khair, Brother Sioni, for joining us. And what would, what would you like to say? Because um, always a pleasure to have you on, brother. Uh, not a lot. I just sort of jump on because I've been listening live and I didn't actually think you guys were going to play what you just played. And then now talk about my wife converting and taking the shahada last night with Dr. Imran. Um, I'm very happy with the decision. Obviously, at the end of the day, that's between her and Allah, and whatever she decides, that's for her to decide. Um, obviously, we did we did miss your smiling face, but 
Bella, bless your mother, and hopefully she heals up well quite soon. Um, just going back to the previous ones, uh, Brother Efron, sorry for not mentioning you at all. Um, My brother, no worries. <laughs> a lot of the streams, whether regardless of who it was from, pertaining to Islam has played a major part in my life in the last couple of years. Alhamdulillah. Uh, Alhamdulillah. Not just physically, but mentally. And it's one thing, I know some people bring it up, but it, it isn't really talked about and discussed, even with just the atheists to begin with. Of, And I'd mentioned it in the, the last one, how relieving it is basically removing yourself from all the stress that life in general would bring. And it's like having a cold shower and basically be feel, like feeling weightless. But once you, once you submit yourself to, to the truth and it is what it is. So very happy while I've got you for my little brother, Ijaz, I'm glad I've actually finally got the chance to meet you and talk to you live. Uh, Brother, it's my it's my pleasure, but uh, just I I just have one question for you. Yes, can you help? Can you please help me get a beard as great as yours? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Inshallah. if Allah wants you to grow a long, big, beautiful one, it'll happen. Inshallah, you're a beautiful funny, brother. I'm, I really happy to meet story you. Story me, just pertaining to the beard. I've I've always been the person I've been quite lazy with looking after myself, so I just let everything grow, whether it's my hair, my beard, whatnot, until it got to the point where it'd be itchy as hell, and then I just shave the whole lot off. Now, it doesn't itch. Alhamdulillah. 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 But yeah, happy days. Alhamdulillah. Well, you really are an inspiration because, uh, and I think. That brothers and sisters who are watching, who are not Muslim, um, and they're watching, and they're listening to you, you, you said something really uh, striking, uh, which is like it was like taking a cold shower, like you're floating, hmm. and, and you know the the burden of life and the burden of not knowing and the burden of not connecting to the Creator. Uh, you know, people will sort of outwardly look happy; they will look content. But actually, internally, there's always this turmoil and there's always this stress. And even though a per person might not realize it because, you know, alcohol and drugs and, you know, um, all these different things in, in, in the world that often distract people. But the reality is Allah says very clearly in the Quran that you will only receive peace in the remembrance of Allah. You can only attain, uh, you know, peace, real peace. In the remembrance of Allah, and mashallah, it shows that mashallah, you, you're feeling it, you're experiencing it, and alhamdulillah, I'm so happy for you, brother, that your wife, mashallah, today took the shahada as well. Alhamdulillah, uh, and that you know, subhanallah, brother Sioni, look, um, from now, inshallah, ta'ala, may Allah protect your generations that will come after you, Amen. Amen. Uh, who will also, inshallah, ta'ala, be on the truth, on the deen, on Islam. And how many hundreds of lives, thousands of lives that you and your wife now have, mashallah, changed as a consequence of, mashallah, both accepting Islam. And all of that reward 
inshallah ta'ala will also go to you and to your wife because you took this step uh, so it's it's such an amazing thing mashallah and i think sometimes we don't feel the gravity of doing something we just think it's very personal but actually there are so many multiplied multiplications of that that goodness inshallah that that will carry forward and and may allah inshallah truly reward you and your wife for for taking a brave mashallah step and and accepting the truth mashallah and hopefully inspiring the generations to come as well inshallah amen yeah no i mean i mean um funny another funny story actually so i posted on my book about oh i think it was days ago there's uh the quranic verse about how the um i'm trying to remember the quote something about the there's no doubt in in the book yeah I'd actually put that up as a post on my Facebook account. Um, now I've actually got a very dear friend of mine who's, uh, I used to, I kind of grew up with here, who's mo- moved to Melbourne. He's a, he's actually hit me up and he's kind of all over the place. Um, without I, I didn't know at the time because I don't know whether he was, he, he's basically grown up and was baptised Mormon or whether it was something that's happened after he'd left and started living in Melbourne. So I'm like, look, this is how it, this is how it is. This is what we believe. If you need anything, hit me up. And he's like, yep, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. So who knows? Inshallah. Inshallah. May Allah, may Allah help him. May Allah guide him. Inshallah. Mm-hmm. Ta'ala. And, yeah. uh, and, and if you require any further support and help, I know that brother Ayaz, Inshallah ta'ala, will be, uh, arranging to send materials out for you and for your wife. But if there's anything else we can do, and if your friend would like to speak to us, we would be happy to have that conversation, of course, offline if, if need be. Um, so just reach out to him and say, look, it, you know, if you'd like to talk to these brothers, uh, it's a very relaxed and, and just an honest and open discussion. He can ask whatever questions he wants to, inshallah, and we can go through that with him. But brother, Jazakallah khair for coming on. And uh, Did you want to add anything else before you go? Uh, just a, another another thing, just with regards to the atheists and where they where they think everything's come from. Like, re- forget man-made stuff, just the world in general. Mm. It was actually a thought experiment I had. It popped in my head the other day. I actually mentioned it to Dr. Imran last night. Yeah. So bear with me. I'm going to actually ask you guys just to, Play along with me just for a second. No, no, please go ahead. So, just close your eyes. Okay. This is what it would have been like before the world existed. Oh. Void of anything, everything, whatever you could think of, wasn't nothing there. Now open your eyes. Ta da! It's really how the Asians. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I I don't mean to interrupt Brother Sion, but the yeah. last time I was asked to close my eyes and open it like that, is Sikh brother came on and said the first thing that we would hear was, "Um." I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. I, remember the universe. I actually, yeah. I actually think I do remember you mentioning it at some stage, but 
Yeah, I had PTSD. I thought you were going to drop that in at some point, so <laughs> I didn't participate. Nah, nah. No, but Brother Sione, it's a very, very important uh, thing you raised, the question that you raised there. And in fact, the Quran is exactly very similar um, uh, to that. And Allah says, did this universe create itself? In other words, if a person just sits down and they think about this carefully, that where did everything come from? Not just everything in our universe, but everything anywhere outside of our universe or wherever. That a person who truly contemplates on this will have to accept that it must have been a creator that created everything. Yeah. So it's a it's a very rational, it's a very logical uh, question to ask, and in fact, it's a very deep philosophical question to ask. And if a person truly ponders on that question they'll come to the realization that things can't just simply come into existence from nothing and they cannot simply exist eternally without any explanation and that the only thing that can be the explanation for everything is something that had no beginning and no end and created everything and is the explanation for everything and is the very explanation for itself, not outside of it, but it is the explanation. And that's a very rational, I think, assumption to arrive at uh, so you raise a very very um you know a, a very logical very rational uh, question in charlotte and may you know our atheist brothers and sisters really ponder on that and think about that and hopefully come to the same conclusion that you know you've arrived at that, alhamdulillah your wife today arrived at and that we have all alhamdulillah uh, you know ourselves arrived at and rationalized and and and, and thought about but Jazakallah Khair, Brother Sione, if there's anything else you'd like to add, please do. And if the other brothers want to jump in at all and say anything, please do as well. Uh, no, just a last thing from me, actually, to Brother Ayaz and Brother Anif. Thank you very much for all the support, even though it's just emails and I haven't spoken or seen you guys face to face. Much appreciated. No, Alhamdulillah. They, oh, are, the back, they are the backbone, mashallah, of EF Dawa, and they have probably very little, if any, camera time but they are mashallah truly the backbone of the organization and brother ayaz tires tirelessly works answering emails sending information out mashallah multiple shahadas uh you know doesn't want the limelight and you know is not interested in that mashallah brother anis as well his work with all the editing and all of the other support and everything else that he does many many hours uh of work mashallah again uh, all for the just the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without expecting any recognition for it. So may Allah truly bless them and 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 and, and accept everything that they do as well. For coming on and it was a real pleasure uh to see you. I when you first started talking and, and we started mentioning your wife, I thought I was gonna get all teary again, but it was just a joyful <laughs> there was no tears today, which is great. So it was really nice to nice to talk to you, brother. So that was a wonderful uh, surprise. You know, uh, so so yeah, I, sorry, I, didn't, I didn't want to say in front of Brother Sione because yeah. actually I shouldn't compliment people to their faces. But yeah. uh, the question was really because I asked the question, you know, uh, his wife said that she noticed a lot of differences. Yeah. So I asked what were the differences, you know, and uh, subhanAllah, it really struck me. The differences yeah. struck me. Um, Miller blessed the brother for his. I mean. uh, I mean, Everything that he's doing, he's, I mean, he's a great, great brother, mashallah. So one of the things that his wife said was, um, he's making time for. He's he's no longer so grumpy, like he's less dis upset. Yeah, 
Yeah. There's making time for the family, making time for the children, making time Mashallah. for me. And, you know, this is something we all struggle with, right? Yeah. Balancing ourselves because life can pull us in this direction and that direction. And we, we we don't give the people who deserve and have rights over our time their due right. And, mashallah, the brother has, you know, he's managing to improve this. And it's a really great sign, mashallah. So what a beautiful brother, beautiful family. May Allah bless them and increase them, mashallah, and keep them strong mm. in their iman. And give them Ameen. the best of both worlds, mashallah. I mean, and, you know, it's a very important lesson, brother Irfan, brother Ijaz, is that, when uh, either when you do accept islam or you know you're showing your family that you're muslim and that you're that you're following islam is that it's not just the prayer and it's not just giving the zakat and it's not just about planning to go for hajj and fasting in the month of ramadan it's about living islam and the character of islam of a of a of a of a, of a muslim whether man or woman Inshallah, if we truly follow Islam, people around you will notice that something has changed. And people will actually, they, they will wonder what where this change is driven from. And many people have accepted Islam because they've met a Muslim who was, or, or you know, who was living their religion. And they were surprised at the etiquette, the manners, the decorum. And one of the things, Ijaz, that we saw in Qatar, um, uh, we, we saw, was that the people that we were speaking to while we were just talking about Qatari culture, we were talking about how they were enjoying it, is that they were so happy with the Qatari people and how how completely hospitable. hospitable they were. They were blown away with the hospitality. Mashallah. There were Qatari families, mashallah, who were preparing food and they were giving it out for free uh, next to us, the brothers that we were there with. They had kawa, they had coffee, they had dates, they had the karak, the karak tea that I made myself today with the saffron and uh, <laughs> the really strong tea. Um, and, you know, subhanAllah, they were giving this to the guests and they were blown away. And, and the women were wearing the jalbabs, the men were wearing the, uh, the Arabic clothes, mashallah, and they were taking photographs and they were asking how much, how much do we have to pay for these? And they were saying, no, this is free. This is just to welcome you into our cut. And they were literally blown away that the level of uh, the level of dawah, mashallah, that you can give once you show the character of Islam, once you show the beauty of Islam through your character, it is so, it makes it so easy because mashallah, they're already interested to know where do, where does all this hospitality come from? Where does all this love for humanity mm -hmm. come from? Um, and it made the it made talking about Islam so much easier. easier. Uh, so yeah, so I would I would advise all the brothers and sisters, inshallah, of course myself as well. Let's inshallah really live Islam and show that beautiful character. When we get angry, bite your tongue, uh, control your anger, don't just lash out. And when we behave like that, alhamdulillah, people around us will actually realize. And you know, a lot of brothers and sisters do ask about dawah opportunities at work. And sometimes it can be a bit of a tricky situation because people mm -hmm. if you go outwardly and give dawah, sometimes people can be a bit standoffish. They can be a little bit like, oh, you're sort of like, you know, trying to convert me or something like that. However, just asking your colleagues, would you like a cup of tea? I'm just going to go and get one. Can I get one for you? Or uh, if there's some gossip and they're talking about somebody else, a colleague, and you just say it very nicely, I, um, please excuse me but I'm actually not allowed to have this type of a conversation. My religion is regarded as a sin. And, mm -hmm. you know, they might ask you questions, you see. Uh, 
So there's opportunities, there's always opportunities to just start something uh, and just sort of be able to talk to people. But it was lovely Can, to see uh, Sione. Yes, just, sorry. If I could just uh, add on to that a little bit. You know, a lot of people think that that war has to be argumentation and long conversations and pulling out Quranic ayat and debating. That's additional to it. Remember, that war is literally an invitation. An invitation to what? To the truth of Islam, to the guidance and the beauty of Islam, to the love that is Tawheed. So just simply by dressing the way that you dress, behaving in an Islamic way, all of this is that way. And like Brother Abbas said, the way you treat others influences the way that they judge you. And so if they can see that the reason for your good behavior is your Islam, they are going to be more open to Islam. You know, we got the perception when we when we were in Qatar that people were naturally, because of the safe, hospitable environment that they were in, they felt good and okay to ask questions about Islam. That barrier of that uncomfortableness, that, that hesitation, that uh, mm. do I offend them if I ask this, was mm. gone. Mm. We didn't have to overcome that. No. It naturally was, hey, why do you dress like this? Or, mm. or can you explain this to me? Mm. Even when we went to pray salah, they would politely look at us. Typically mm. in the West, uh, people like bump into you or they accidentally walk into your mat. The people there were aware of Islam around them. They would be sometimes quiet during the Arran. They would dress appropriately. And by the way, the police weren't walking around telling women what to wear. We saw women dressing in the same way that they would perhaps dress in London or Toronto or in Trinidad. But the vast majority of people dressed in a way that was comfortable for the culture. So Islam is this thing which, to be honest with you, if practiced on a societal level, it's just natural that way. And it's attractive to people. Brother Abbas, I have a question for you. You, you had maybe hundreds of conversations. Did you get into any arguments or fights or polemics while you were there? Except for that one yeah. missionary who, unfortunately, out of the millions of people in Qatar, walked into you, me, and Uncle Hashim. Yeah. Uh, the PTSD on his face was clearly apparent. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't say hundreds, but I, I certainly had many, many dozens of uh, conversations out there. And I'm going to say hundreds because I had to count. But no, not, not, one, uh, not one person... Uh, was antagonistic. They were very respectful. They asked questions, uh, questions that we thought might be asked. Uh, some of the more controversial issues, perhaps controversial from a Western point of view, anyway. Yeah. Uh, people didn't even touch on those questions. They were no. just wondering about the prayer. They would see us pray, so we would we would just be able to tell them how Jesus prayed, how Moses prayed, peace be upon them, and how it's very similar to how we pray. And they were just very, very fascinated by those concepts. And mashallah, the questions that they asked were very respectable uh, questions, just out of interest about hijab, about covering up and about all of these things. And they listened very attentively. And they were uh, and they even when at times, perhaps they were thinking about whether they agreed or they disagreed with certain concepts, they were still willing to think about things and saying, well, yeah, you do have a point there. But of course, you know, Western culture is something that perhaps um, 
finds it difficult to accept certain concepts, but they could see the sense in it, uh, and which was which was amazing actually, which was really really fulfilling as well. Can um, I ask you, brother Abbas, how many people brought up the age of Aisha radiallahu? No, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it was not not one person. Not really. once. How many people brought up the verse four thirty four to you? Not one. <laughs> not one. But how many of them asked you? about why we love the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi Yeah, I mean, the place of the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, our, our position with Jesus and, and yes. with Mary, may Allah be pleased with them. Um, you know, questions like that. Um, of course, the, the hijab and why women dress the way they do. Um, yes. And these concepts were asked. And when we explained to them that actually, if you look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, if she was walking down the, 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 the bazaar now, next to the Muslim women, you would actually not be able to differentiate her uh, with, yes. the, with the Muslim, Muslim. women. And they found that very astonishing, and they actually agreed. Um, they actually agreed. I've just put a quick comment on, because bro Brother Muhammad in the back chat, he did put a, a he said, uh, you know, oh, lost, my, lost his mother 10 days ago. So he's asking everyone to, inshallah, do make dua for his, uh, for his, uh, for his beloved mother. So inshallah, I, I decided to put the comment up. Please do pray for Brother Muhammad. Allah gives him patience and sabr. And, and of course, pray for his mother. Allah blesses her with uh, Jannah and makes Amen. things easy for her, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, and, and, and puts her soul, inshallah ta'ala, in rest. Inshallah ta'ala, in, in peace, inshallah. If I can uh, add okay. to that, if I can just quickly add to that. Yeah, guys, you need to say Amin in the chat. Because when you say Amin to someone else's dua, Allah grants you, inshallah, that dua upon yourself as well. Amen. So we ask specifically... Allahumma, ya Allah, we ask that you save this beloved sister from the punishment of the grave, that you enter her into genital firdaus, that you grant her family a fear and you allow them to die upon tawheed. You forgive them, both of them, for any of the mistakes that they have done and unite them together in Jannah. Ameen. Say Ameen, brothers and sisters. Ameen. 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 I mean, I mean, okay, let's inshallah try to get some more guests on. Um, we've got brother questions. You've been on for a quite a long time. If you could just please just put your camera on for a few seconds. I'd just quickly like to interact with you and then we'll get you on, uh, brother. There's a few more of you waiting. If you can just leave your camera on, um, I will give you a few moments to switch your camera off. Um, so at, at the moment, none of the cameras are on. If you'd like to put your camera on, I'll get you on first. So we've got uh, Brother Unknown. Uh, okay, here we go. We've got Brother Questions. Brother Questions, can you just give me a quick wave, if you don't mind? And a Lovely. thumbs up. And a thumbs okay. up. And a, and a thumbs up. Great. We go. We'll, we'll get you on next, Brother. You can switch your camera off if you like, and you can uh, leave it on if you like. So we're just going to get you on now, inshallah. Oh, <laughs> he's sticking some tape on the uh, Okay, that's camera. fine. That's fine. Uh, okay, so uh, brother questions. Um, welcome to the stream. You're muted, uh, questions. Assalamualaikum. I'll keep it very brief. Uh, the question is, if I may, if an issue is in the Bible, and it doesn't contradict the Quran, and the Quran is silent on the matter, then it is ordained that we should remain silent on the matter. Is that advice correct? Where is the Dalil Burhan for it? So can you be more specific in terms of what you're referring to, brother? Because you've obviously got something in mind. 
Uh, yeah, uh, basically with uh, uh, apologetic Muslim, the, the Apus, Apus fella, has got right. 10 questions for us to answer, him and uh, David Wood. Right. And uh, one of the questions addressed was basically addressed in this manner, that if it's not contradictory and if it's not mentioned in the Quran, then we will just remain silent about it. We won't answer him on this particular question. I see. So okay. is that a correct advice? Or when somebody asks us a question, should we not just give him the best possible advice rather than uh, remain in a box, so to speak? Okay, uh, so I, I don't think it would be quite remaining in a box. I don't think that's the right definition. But let's see, Brother Arfan, you had your hand up. Let's see if you want to answer that. Yeah, subhanAllah. Uh, what, what I wanted to say in regard to this, um, I don't really get how uh, this individual is using this as an argument uh, against... Uh, Muslim da'wah, I mean, uh, our belief about the Bible uh, and the Torah, about the uh, older scriptures, like even the Zabur, what was given Dawood, alayhi salam, uh, we believe that in, this, in their original form, they came from Allah, but then they have been uh, corrupted. So uh, we know, because we know that the Quran is uncorrupted, if there is something that contradicts the Quran, okay, this we, I think, agree on, we know. This is 100% false, okay? So what about stuff that um, it doesn't contradict the Quran? It's just some statements. So what do we say about this? And I brought up a hadith. It's in Sahih Bukhari. And I think um, it explains it very well and straight to the point. And it says like that uh, it's in Sahih Bukhari number 4485 for anyone who wants to look it up. And it says that the people of the book used to read the Torah in Hebrew and they used to explain it in Arabic uh, to the Muslims. So the Prophet, peace, be, peace and blessings be upon him, said, and Abu Huraira is narrating this hadith, do not uh, like say it's true, like what Ahl Kitab say, nor do say it's, it's, it's lies. And say we believe in Allah and what He have sent upon us and sent upon you, and uh, the rest of the the, the verse. So, uh, Subhanallah, this is like how we deal with this. If there is like a story that doesn't come um, confront the Quran or something, we yes, this is I think the hadith here. Alhamdulillah, we uh, this is the way the Prophet told us to deal with it because. We cannot jump and criticize it. Um, maybe it is some. There are some traces in it from truth. Uh, Subhanallah. Like I said, if if it will be against the Quran, then we know hundred percent. But if if that's not the case, we cannot be sure. And this is why the Prophet gave us a safe way to uh, deal with that in that kind of situations. Does Does that answer your question, brother? Uh yeah, yeah, yes, yes, it does. But uh, the 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 thing is, what it, what this kind of a, a reply uh, alludes to is that basically puts stop to dawah, i.e., engagement with Christians and Jews who speak of their uh, scripture, what is in their scripture, and 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 in in contradiction or in opposition to what is in our scripture. So really, we just should turn around to them and say, we don't believe, we we believe, and we don't we what what, what is we we. We don't say it's right. We don't say it's wrong. So, no, no, but that's only for for the things that uh, don't contradict our scripture. So, for the things that contradict our scripture, we engage with them when okay. we talk and we say our position is right. 
but the things that uh, they don't contradict Islam. Maybe it's a story of a prophet. There is no contradiction to Islam. Uh, it could be true because there's like nothing wrong in it. So we say maybe it's true, maybe no. We don't know. We cannot be sure. But the but things perhaps, that contradict. Yeah. But sorry, just, finish. I'm just a little bit eager. Finish your thought, brother. No, no, but, but we say this, it's only like the things that contra contradict our faith. Uh, in this, in this, we can engage in discussions, and this is like where the da'wah takes place. But in the things that we agree upon already, what's even the point in, in, in opening discussion in these things? Or not even agree, but that wouldn't contradict Islam or something. So there's even, I don't even see how you can like use them for like calling them to Islam. Because when we call them to Islam, we say, you're on something wrong. You have a wrong concept. We have the right concept. Let's discuss the, uh, this thing. And uh, this is clearly not what is meant in the hadith when we say, like, uh, yeah, like, this is clearly not what the Prophet spoke about in that hadith. So let's, 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 let's just give a practical example here. Jesus, peace be upon him, in the New Testament, does many miracles. Now, the Quran already acknowledges that he is sent by Allah and he did miracles by the permission of Allah. But we do not say that the Quran mentions all of the miracles that Jesus, peace be upon him, did. In the New Testament, he raises a couple people from death. He does some food miracles. We're not in a position to say that we know that those miracles are definitively false, but they do not contradict the Quranic narrative. So it's possible that some of those miracles did indeed happen. That's what that hadith is basically guiding us about, the method that we're meant to follow with. It does not mean, however, that we're not allowed to disagree with Christians and Jews and that we're not allowed to give them da'wah or debate with them. That's why the Quran tells us, debate with them in the best of ways. And the Prophet ﷺ debated Christians. It eventually led to mubahala, as the Quran mentions. So yes, this is perfectly fine and it's acceptable. We're not saying do not give da'wah. I mean, the name of the organization is EF Dawah. That's what we do. And we disagree with Christians all the time, and this is perfectly fine. So, brother, I think the question has been answered, but I want to know, do you think it has been answered? Alhamdulillah. Yes, it has been answered in actual fact. The point uh, of context uh, of, uh, of, of, of uh, issue here is uh, a pussy's fifth question of the 10 question. The brother who raised this point in answer to the fifth question answered all the other questions briefly. But when he came to the fifth question, he used the fifth amendment. He used this contextual uh, aspect of uh, how you engage with the Christians and the Jews. But as you correctly answered it, we can disagree. We can't point them to the right direction rather than saying, you know what? We can't say yes. We can't say no. The fifth question is, if you want to know, we can. I can raise it up here. If you don't, we, it, we can it's, say. It's okay. We're satisfied, I think. But my, just, yeah. just one careful thought, if this is okay. One person may give an answer, but we don't depend on that one person for all of the answers that they give. We go with the ijma of the scholars, and this is the scholastic understanding, and we're satisfied with it. Whether a person answers it in a good way or a bad way, we don't always have to agree with them. So it's good that you knew that this was the answer and that you agreed with it. May Allah bless you and uh, keep us on the haqqan. May Allah bless you too. MashaAllah. Barakallah fikum. Assalamu alaikum. Barakallah khair for coming on, brother. Did you want to add anything, Dr. Imran? 
just wanted just really the just the question itself it was very they, they, they were restricting you in terms of what you were expecting so they were limiting the sources of knowledge in islam to the quran only in the question in the way it was set out because they only mentioned the quran in that and the other thing is that's really important is that um that my brother has already mentioned this so and i don't so i won't repeat it but there were three types of uh, things you can come across things that we disagree with in terms of the scriptures themselves so we be that quran and hadith and uh, the christian or jewish scriptures things that we disagree on things that we agree on and things that that there's no uh, crossover in terms of content and this is referring to the things which where there is no crossover in terms of content specifically and that is very limited so all of the big things crucifixion concept of god uh, mechanism of salvation, um, you know, uh, ethnicity of the message or universality of the message, all of the big things that are important in terms of getting you to, inshallah, to a better place in the hereafter, they're all covered and discussed. And they're all mentioned. And, and you know, things like don't say three, the crucifixion didn't happen. Uh, that if you want forgiveness, you ask Allah, no blood is needed. All these things are very clearly laid out. And there's no issue in terms of discussing these things, and they should be discussed. But I wish you all the best, brother. Inshallah, jazakallah khair for your question. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Alhamdulillah. So, brothers, um, we've got a few people in the back chat, uh, backstage, but we've got one brother who's got his camera on pretty much most of the time. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna probably pick people who have their cameras on. Um, Al um, Bosni, can you just and Talibul Ilm, can you just give me a quick wave, both of you? Okay, Talibul uh, Ilm, we're going to get you on next, inshallah, Tala. But if you could just, yeah, you can switch your camera off if you'd like to. Um, welcome to the stream, brother. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hi, guys. Alhamdulillah, brother. How are you? I'm fine, alhamdulillah. Yakallah. Where are you tuning in from today, brother? Uh, from Deutschland, Germany. Germany, mashallah. Okay, welcome, welcome to the stream. Uh, what was your question, brother? Um, I have one question about uh, atheism, uh, evolution. Um, I don't know how it takes the answer because I have to uh, leave soon, but I can uh, see it, uh, continue seeing it in YouTube, inshallah. Um, it's about um, how, what's the strongest scientific argument to debunk um, evolution, natural selection, and so? Um, brother, what I would advise is don't uh, look for arguments, scientific arguments to debunk uh, evolution because I don't believe that we need to. And the reason why we don't need to is because science operates on methodological, methodological naturalism. In other words, everything has a naturalistic explanation. So whatever theory it comes up with, is it has to conform with the foundation of naturalism. And the concept of Adam alayhi uh, salam and, and Hawa, um, you know, alayhi salam, is that they were a supernatural creation by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a miracle that was created. Um, and so the science shows us from a materialistic point of view uh, how a life may have uh, evolved uh, um, from chimp ancestry to human beings. But that does not mean to say that that has to be our paradigm because we're looking at things through miracles, miraculous intervention. And miraculous interventions are not something that science is going to be able to uncover uh, and discover if Allah had not intended for that to happen. So, so the point here is I think we should, we should, we should let science do science and we should, uh, uh, you know, we should do what we should do, which is um, 
look at the Quran and the Quran of course explains to us that Allah created Adam and he created Hawa alayhi salam um, from uh, clay or from dust you know what, what type of clay what type of dust it doesn't tell us uh, you know some people would say oh all life began from stardust whether it was stardust whether it was from the land of of earth where it was from what type of it what type of uh, of earth it was or clay it was or dust it was whether certain elements of that were taken and extracted to we don't know all of these things so we don't need to get it, get into that it's a it's a supernatural event that took place which is what the quran explains to us uh, and i don't believe that we should get embroiled into discussing unless we are at that caliber of uh, of of cutting edge science and evolutionary biology and science i don't think we should really start getting into those discussions um and we should point that out and i did ask we've got a famous guy here who comes to speaker's corner uh, his name is skydive phil and he's very much into this uh, you know evolution and you know he's an atheist obviously uh, and i asked him a very simple question that we claim that adam and eve uh, peace and blessings be upon them are a miraculous creation of god almighty that were somehow inserted into the world uh, in a miraculous way would that necessarily be something that science would be able to discover or prove or disprove and he said no and so the point here is that i don't i don't i don't see the need therefore for entering into those type of discussions because it's like you know you're trying to paint or paint a wall with a hammer you're using the wrong tool and you're 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 always going to be struggling uh, and so i don't believe we need to get to those discussions but i let the other brothers inshallah come in there um, uh, dr imran why don't you come in there first after the other brothers inshallah before the other brothers so i would just say brother what are your thoughts on that because um is that what you're expecting brother abbas to say or why do you think that evolution needs to be refuted? But definitely, of course, the best and the strongest tool is definitely the Quran Karim. And um, but uh, like, if, if there's a, like an alternative argument for people who are not convinced of the Quran and they still desist not believing the Quran and they rather want to be like uh, scientific arguments, logical, philosophical arguments, so that there can maybe a like a way to argue with them about uh, from science and uh, philosophy so so i mean what i would suggest so what brother abbas was trying to allude to and i agree to a, to a large extent about what he said the in the sense that you have if you're going to bring an argument from so any any scientific argument whichever one you want to bring you have to know what science is and how it works and what it's designed to do and then when you take that approach then you can know can you apply this to uh religion or things that are not nature so Allah is not part of nature or the universe for example angels are also supernatural things um the soul is something that's also would be a something that we can't detect using our um uh, you know our natural or scientific methods so it's outside of the scientific paradigm so it's like if you're wearing um glasses that are uh, red and someone shows you the color green you you you're showing someone shows you something that's red you you can't, won't won't be able to tell the difference because everything will look the same to you it'll have the same tint and when you take the glasses off and you have a different way of viewing the world you see other things that you can look at the so science 
as what Brother Abbas was saying, is that it only works with the assumption that everything, and this is the bottom underlying principle in science, that there are no non-natural explanations. Everything mm-hmm. is um, explained naturally. So if this is your framework, if this is your framework, everything is explained naturally, how can you use that framework to then point uh, to say that you know i'm going to use this this framework to find something outside of nature because already it doesn't work right any theory you come with any explanation you give for any set of data any observation the assumption is there has to be a natural reason for this and we're going to make a theory that fits the data that will be naturally explaining the observations and you preclude the supernatural from this you preclude it it's it's excluded it's put on the side um, and th- there is a difference between, and just sort of uh, to touch uh, very briefly, there's a difference between the nor- the the sciences that we know, things like uh, physics and chemistry and uh, other things like this, and biology when it comes to evolution. So most sciences can be um, con- experiments can be c- conducted in labs that can establish things like uh, uh, you know e- e- uh, events that the the theories would describe and when it comes to evolution this is a what we're doing is we're taking data and observations and we're superimposing it on the past there's no way to replicate that the evolutionary process within a laboratory setting um, what we do see in laboratory settings is there are changes that happen in uh, dna in response to things that are provided but we don't ever see a change of species a, a one species going to a another species we don't we don't see this whatever we do to a bacteria it will always be a bacteria we can't make it a non-bacterial thing however many generations we keep doing things to it for and in fact there were experiments done on 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 uh, the fruit fly uh, where similar you know they had many many hundreds and thousands of generations of these because they have a very short lifespan i think it's a couple of weeks and even when the dna was corrupted to the point where the the um the flies were being born very malformed as soon as they're put in an environment uh, where these pressures are taken away they revert back to that original archetype in terms of genetic and physiological appearance so we see things like adaptation we see things like um um you know change and we and we can see evolution working in the process in the sense that you know if you go to a farm the, these animals have been bred over many years to provide extra you know more milk than your average cow or to carry more meat than the average cow these are things that we see so th- this is where the natural framework is now when it comes to adam and eve peace be upon them as, as brother abbas said this is a miraculous thing and you can't use science to look at a miraculous thing we can uh, look at um, whatever we see as Adam and Eve and we can try and examine them because ultimately in any theory either of those two uh, whether you believe in a supernatural Adam and Eve or 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 a uh, you know Adam and Eve with a um, a, a common ancestor there has to be initially the first two otherwise you won't go anywhere right you can't go to oh there was only one okay then what happened to that one what did it breed with what what was it You, you can't have that you need two to start with so it's really important not to understand that, uh, not to think that the way to approach people who are scient- who are scientifically minded, because atheists make the claim that science is on our side. It's not true. It's not true. Science and atheism has nothing to do with each other. Atheists are socialized into their atheism because of the society they grow up in, and they make a claim that science is on their side, where science it doesn't give an answer to this question either way. Uh, about the existence of Allah or the existence of the supernatural. So what you have to do is with them is really get them to, do you understand what science is? 
and then you could proceed with them in that way and try to get them to uh, make the realization that I can't. This is the wrong tool for the job. I'm using a uh, I'm using a uh, a torch to hit a nail and knock it into a piece of wood. It's not going to work. The torch will smash to pieces, and this is what people are finding. Uh, is that again? It's not maybe a direct answer, but hopefully covered some points. What do you think of that, brother? What are your thoughts? Yes, um, definitely, is, um, definitely logical um, because uh, science like they're limited in the physical world, but uh, like the angels and the miracle that uh, the humans are being created by clay is like a metaphysical uh, matter, and so yeah, and it cannot be uh, proven uh, with science because it is limited. And uh, yes, and. And you know, brother, what's very, very interesting, brother, is that when the science, for example, of physics, when it looks at the universe and it looks at matter and it looks at energy and everything points towards a beginning and therefore everything points to something that has to, you know, create everything logically, right? Suddenly the scientists all say that we're just going to reserve our opinions uh, until this information may come about in the future. So they're not prepared to, at that stage, say, actually, you know what? It's quite logical that everything has to, everything that's contingent, reliant upon, uh, you know, being assembled in a particular way, it requires an explanation and you can't have an infinite series of explanations. And therefore, there has to be a beginning of everything. And this beginner, this beginner of everything has to have power and intelligence and the ability to design. Very logical, very, very logical, very rational. But guess what the scientists will then do and the people of science will then do? They're not going to be scientific anymore or, or follow the philosophy of science anymore. What they will then do is say, oh, we'll just reserve our judgment until we might find out in the future. But I think that if they were honest, they would actually come to the conclusion that this sounds a lot like uh, the creator of the heavens and the earth. But brothers, did you want to add anything else? I just wanted to put this comment up. Um, Brother Ijaz, can you comment on this uh, comment, inshallah? I think uh, Dr. Abbas may be better suited for that. So. There is no Dr. Abbas here, unfortunately. But so no, no, Dr. I, I, Iman, forgive it's me. Better, it's better that I don't answer it. Brother Arfan uh, um, uh, or Dr. Imran. Yeah. Um, like I, I wanted to mention something that's mentioned, like the issue with uh, Aqal and Naqal. What is, it's a broad issue. I'm not going to bring everything up here. But uh, I don't see that how what Brother Abbas said goes um, goes against anything uh, from that because there is not there is not one uh, answer to a particular question. Always you can approach it from different uh, uh, different perspectives, and I find what is very beautiful in the format that like, like this, like EF Dawa has when there's multiple speakers, everyone approaches it from a different perspective, and. Who knows which answer going to suit which person and going to click in this person? So uh, people really differ. And when you look at the, um, at the sayings of the scholars of how to give dawah, especially like Ibn Taymiyyah, he has the sayings like that you like have to see like how does the mind of the person works you're speaking to. Some of them, well, his mind works like you give him something simple and it makes click and he accepts it. But even Ibn Taymiyyah mentions about people who have such a comp complex thinking that if the answer is too easy that he will never accept it because he cannot 
he cannot accept that he can uh, he can he cannot take something that everyone else can take as well he needs something like he, he has this this problem okay psychologically so Ibn Taymiyyah said okay with these people we have to speak different the thing is now in a stream like this we don't have enough information about who the person is like that is asking a question and I think it is very beautiful to um, approach the issue because of that from different uh, perspectives um, but subhanallah when the brother he brought up the issue of aql and naql maybe uh, I could just add a bit to that evolution question because it goes a little bit in that direction and uh, for me it's like uh, subhanallah for me a lot of the times like what 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 i think we need to understand when atheists try to argue against god with evolution that most of the times they strawman the position of the believer and um how, how do i mean it like what what where's where does a strawman lie because for evolution being being an argument against uh, theism, uh, there's only two ways from what I know. The first way is, is that human evolution, because there's only two aspects of evolution that goes against the Islamic belief. And this is like human evolution, common ancestry between humans and chimpanzees or, or any other animals, and that it was a random process. This, there's clear-cut evidence from, the, from Islam that is against that. So there is only two ways how can evolu evolution can like refute Islam or argue against Islam. The first one is well, if the atheist claims that his knowledge or his claim that there is a common ancestry is definite. Like there is no other possible explanation. And no scientist claim, claim that. They cannot even claim that because science is based on induction and in, in, induction cannot reach uh, certainty. Like they can say, okay, it's a very working theory. Uh, it explains the data we have to the best extent naturally, like Brother Abbas said, using uh, methodolog uh, methodological uh, uh, naturalism. Uh, but they cannot say that it is definite what they have, okay? So so, so they, they don't even do that. So the only other way, and I think a lot of the atheists do that, and this is how they strawman us, how they want to use this as an argument, they do as if we are saying, as if we are holding the position, well, there is no other explanation than God. This is why we believe in God. And then they say, well, evolution is another explanation. But we don't claim that just because we didn't, we don't know any other explanation. Therefore, um, therefore, God exists. We have positive arguments for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's existence, and uh, this is like what, where a lot of atheists need to first listen to us and ask for us. Okay, what are your reasons believe in God? Instead of uh, just throwing this thing at us and assuming that. Uh, or only justification in believing in God is because we couldn't think of something else. This is not the case at all uh, with most of the theists, even like even like a lot of non-Muslim theists. They have uh, other rational reasons why they believe in God and positive arguments why they believe in God. And we claim that from the Islamic arguments, these positive arguments, why we hold these beliefs, that they are definite. Uh, in contrary to what they claim about common ancestry and stuff. And uh, so, of course, this is then superior. And uh, subhanAllah, the discussion should go there. The discussion should not be on the topic of evolution in particular, but should be, okay, what are these uh, definite arguments of us that show 
that common ancestry couldn't happen. And then we can talk about Allah's existence and about prophethood. And that if we can trust the scripture, and the scripture tells us definitely there is no other way to interpret this verse, that uh, Adam was created directly and Hawa, alayhim salam, then uh, subhanAllah, it, it will make this other evidence of theirs that is non-definite, like they agree as well. Uh, it makes it like non, not worthy of even mention. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Brother, uh, does that answer your question, brother? Mm-hmm. Yes, alhamdulillah. Um, okay. And one of the one of the very quick thing I'll just quick finish on is that my experience of entering into such discussions is that you're often going to be disagreeing upon the science. So he, they will come up with a particular theory or hypothesis, and even if it's weak or wrong, they'll just argue that it's the the only way or it's the way. You may bring something to the table, and I find that you just end up down this rabbit hole. Uh, but if you do explain it in this way. Uh, that science operates on methodological naturalism. Uh, we're talking about something supernatural. So unfortunately, it's very difficult for science to be talking about the supernatural because science is simply not designed or, or, or has the foundational concepts necessary uh, to be able to even delve into the supernatural. So let's talk about the supernatural or let's talk about science, but we can't somehow join the two and expect a perfect uh, fit because it, it doesn't work, but I hope that answers the question, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, is the second question possible? Uh, very quickly, because we've got a full house at the moment, but we're trying to get everybody on before the stream ends. But uh, if you, if you mm-hmm. can ask your question, I'll just get Doctor Imran to answer it, or Ijaz. Why don't you answer this particular one, and then we'll inshallah move on to the next guest. Uh, please ask your question, brother. Mm-hmm. What I um, notice about the speakers' corner videos is that uh, there are many debates with Christian, atheists, Jews, Hindus, so, but uh, like a conversation with the Buddhists, I find it rarely, if not almost nothing, I said one, two, or three. And maybe there's one Buddhist uh, watching the stream. So my question is well, how can we um, convince, convince the Buddhists? Uh, towards uh, Tawheed and Islam? Brother Ijaz. So that's a fascinating question because it depends. Uh, Buddhists are two types. Most of them don't believe in a God and some of them do believe in a God. So that's the complication. You'll have to figure out which type of Buddhist they are. If they believe in a God, we just go through the arguments of the three fundamental laws of logic. Basically, why should there be a creator? Why must there only be one creator? And what are the qualities and attributes of this creator? That's typically how I speak with Buddhists who believe in a God. For those Buddhists that don't believe in a God, usually I ask them about the purpose of life or I ask them uh, their reasons for why they don't believe in a God. Uh, Some of them adopt some Hindu ideas as well, where they accept things like uh, contradictions being fine, and it's not necessary to have scripture. So we have to address these underlying issues. So I just would advise that you ask soft questions that let you know more about their beliefs, just before, instead of thinking that there's a catch-all for each and every Buddhist. That's maybe been my experience. Maybe the brothers have a, a different experience. You're muted, Uncle Abbas. Does that, sorry, does that answer your question, brother? Mm, yes, uh, that, uh, yes I, do, I don't really know about them, but um, that they are different. Like there are some who don't believe in God and others they believe in God. This is quite, um, yes, 
like uh, behaving those don't believe in God like atheism and those who believe in God behave like uh, those theists like Christian Jews. So. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. Jazakallah khair for coming on, and uh, inshallah, Taala, do remember us in your dua, inshallah. Brother Bosni, we're going to get you on next. Uh, you can leave your camera on, or you can switch it off. Uh, brother Bosni, uh, Al Bosni, welcome to the stream, brother. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum May Allah subhanahu wa taala reward you all for your efforts in giving dawah and anything you do in His name. And thank you very much for improving the audio and video quality through the years. <laughs> yeah, when we fir- when we first started, we had a little camera, a handheld camera, and we, ha- we had no tripod, so we would put our hand under the elbow, and we would just hold the camera like this. And of course, there were no external mics; it had a little built-in mic, so the sound quality was awful. And the video quality was probably not much better as well. But alhamdulillah, as the channel grew, we uh, invested heavily. And Brother Anis especially did uh, tons and tons of research in what types of cameras, what types of mics, what types of lighting. Um, And of course, just to make the experience as nice as possible. Because obviously, when you have very clear sound and you have good quality video, and it's all the editing that they mashallah are doing at the moment. It just makes the videos more engaging and hopefully more helpful. So, Jazakallah uh, khair, brother, for that. Uh, what's your question today? Uh, well, my question is as follows. Uh, I've spoken to a Christian acquaintance about Islam. Uh, she identifies as Catholic, but she doesn't believe in the Trinity. So that's, that's a step in, in the good direction. Oh. Uh, even though she sees many good in Islam, she's kind of put off by the the sheer amount of rules that come with the religion. Well, for example, uh, grooming, clothing, halal meat, wh- whatever you whatever you may think of. So her, her, her main philosophy growing through life is, yeah, being a good person, even though morality may be subjective or not. Sure. Um, okay, inshallah, I think we get the, get the question. So uh, Dr. Imran, mm-hmm. basically, we've got this Catholic sister who doesn't believe in the Trinity. I don't know if that still makes her Catholic or it makes her something <laughs> different. Um, but in terms of, I suppose what we're talking about is um, following of the laws, aren't we? Following the the the, uh, the different commandments and the laws. Um, uh, Dr. Imran, how would you answer that question? Uh, Subhanallah, Jazakallah for your question. I think um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you're, it seems like the sister's on a journey, male a guide to... Uh, to the truth, inshallah, and jazakallah khair. Um, I think um, what you're doing is already in very interesting. You've you've raised the, a few things with her. You've clarified that the Trinity itself, or she already believes that the Trinity doesn't make sense. And I think you need to maybe go through that a little bit more and talk about um, the fact that uh, why Islam does make, because what naturally her fitter is pointing towards Islam, because she's come away from a major tenant of, a, a Christianity, which is this concept of a triune being, you know, uh, and it's and it's a big step to take. So, she, so she's a very small minority amongst the Christians already in terms of her of her belief, and that's really important to highlight and get her to understand that you've stepped out of mainstream Christianity. G- going through the, um, the the reasons why you know putting forward the case for Islam. Now, when it comes to following the rules, this is really about submission and. The, the, to explain the, the way I would sort of approach it is to sort of 
give the explanation of the morality coming from the creator. If you've established for yourself the creator exists and creator is a source of how to live in the world to attain, you know, the the jannah, the hereafter that you you desire, then you would follow any guidance that that, that creator gives you. And that the guidance is going to be multifaceted. It's going to be spiritual guidance. It's going to be guidance in the sense of um, how to live as an individual and how to live in a society to bring about uh, not a utopia, but the best society that human beings can bring about in the in the world that we're in. And when it comes to uh, the Creator, he he gives us these rules to live by. They're really for our benefit as, benefit as well as their benefit. And we're told, you know, that by the Prophet peace upon him, that the religion is not been the the is not been made overburdening for us, and we make it overburdening for ourselves. And so, really, you have to really clarify for her what is being asked of her. What is what does she think is being asked of her? To connect with your creator three times, uh, forty-five times a day, and that's really for your benefit. You know, you know, you're correcting just like you feed your body, you feed your mind, you feed your soul. This is that connection with Allah, five times a day um, that we do as a, a, the formal prayer, which literally, uh, you know, if you were to add up the time, it's going to be what half an hour to a day maximum, maybe an hour maximum, maybe depending on you know what you're doing and how you're doing your salah, and then what you're being asked to do is avoid. It's not that you cut you. There's lots and lots of food rules. Just avoid a couple of things, you know, certain types of food. Avoid them, and uh, you can you can eat. And when you're eating meat, and you have to eat it in a, in a certain, you know, from uh, that's been slaughtered in a certain way. And then when it comes to yourself, you're being asked to keep clean in in a and very straightforward, nothing overbearing, nothing burdening. So the, I don't see this. You know, when people talk about these overwhelming rules, I, I don't see them. I don't understand which rules are being referred to, what's overburdening and overbearing. So I think really it's it's better it's better about if you've established for yourself the creator exists, and if you establish for yourself that um, uh, your the morality that you have comes from the creator, and the creator is the best one to guide you uh, via his prophets about how to live in the world. Then it simply comes about: Are you willing to submit your will to the will of the creator? Because that's what Islam is: it's a submission of your will to the will of the creator and then if you're not then the question is what is it within you that's causing this is it ego is it a view that these rules are inferior and i have a better way of living i know how to live better than the creator can guide me so you have to sort of go through this conversation with her inshallah and brother ajaz has put up a beautiful verse that because she's a christian background and i'm and yeah, I'm well, I, mean, I, I put you, out, okay. one of my, fa- one of my favorite <laughs> verses when when people talk about uh you know islamic laws and they talk about rituals things that you have to do uh, Dr. Imran, just explain the context of this of this verse in the Bible, actually, from her perspective and, and why she should heed a, a warning from this. Obviously, from her perspective, we, we, we're not saying that this is something that was definitely said or was not said because we would would hold um, we would hold our reservation on that because we can't confirm that. But Dr. Imran, if you want to just. You just muted, doctor. So this really is just re-emphasizing the fact that God guides and he gives you ways, uh, uh, rules to live by in the world, which is going to benefit you here and in the hereafter. And this is a verse from Matthew 7 that Brother Abbas is uh, posted, really talking about what Jesus will say to the people when he returns uh, or on, on the day of judgment. Many people will say to me, verse 22, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name or cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? So these are people that Jesus preached upon him according to the narrative is Believe, is talking to who were who regarded themselves as people who called Jesus Lord Lord, who did 
miracles, so prophecies and casting out demons and doing other miracles in the name of Jesus, peace be upon him. This is what the claim is. And then on that day, Jesus will say, I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, um, anomia, uh, which is uh, which is the lack of law. Nomos is law and anomia is lawlessness. So Jesus is condemning those people who didn't follow the law, which is really interesting because, you know, Christians generally believe that the law was abrogated and, you know, and now what you require is faith in Jesus, peace upon him and him dying for your sins and being your personal Lord and Savior. And that will take you to paradise. But this is not really, this is not really what we see from the narrative there. So you could, you could point her to verses that, in the Bible that talk about the importance of following the law that God gives you. But really mm -hmm. it's the, the principle is, um, this is about if if God tells you this is a way this is this is what you need to do to enter Jannah, and then you decide not to do that thing, yeah, because you don't want to submit yourself to the will of the Creator. Then that's that's something you you can choose to do, but then don't expect to get attain the Jannah after that. So you really have to go through this idea of you believe that God exists. Great. What are those concepts? God is one. God is the one who is the source of all peace. Who's the source of all morality? And uh, he's given us guidance by his messengers on the earth. If the guidance is there and I choose not to follow it, what are the consequences? And then talk about really what is the what is the overbearingness within the laws that you see? And practically talk about it. You're a Muslim. You know, I'm sure you have uh, sisters or, or mothers within the religion. Talk about how, the, how they, they live their lives without finding these things burdensome. I mean, what's difficult about cleaning yourself? What's difficult about, you know, not eating non-halal meats, for example, and everything else essentially, you know, you can eat. You're mm -hmm. you're allowed to eat most foods. Uh, the idea that uh, you have to pray. This is stopping to connect with your creator on a regular basis. Who you've just established, you believe in. Who you've established, you know, is your source of peace. That only Brother Abbas mentioned earlier that only in the remembrance of Allah do the hearts find rest. And so this is really taking you out of the turmoil within the world that you see all around you and connecting you three, five times a day. I don't know why I keep saying three, five times a day <laughs> with your creator to, uh, you know, recharge your spiritual energy and to really connect you and ground you. If you can establish all these things, um, then you, you're you not submitting yourself. Really, is, is talking is, it's an indicator for you of where your position might be. And I think you need to reflect deeper. But help the sister on her journey, talk with her, and really ask her what laws have you heard about? What are you worried about? Because you mentioned those three. Were there anything specific that she mentioned, brother? Or was it just um, Mostly about halal meat. Uh, yeah. Let me clarify a bit, because obviously, uh, um, how, how can I bring this in English? Um, she likes eating out, and obviously, in I, we live in the Netherlands, and not all restaurants offer, offer halal meat. Only a particular kitchen, so you you can't go to any different kitchen apart from, let's say, Moroccan, uh, Pakistani, whatever. So, so there, there's a constriction in there. Yeah, she enjoys eating out. Uh, so. Um, um, having restrictions in there would impact her in her obviously in her enjoyment of of, of that particular so area if, of life <laughs> if this is the case and i'll be i'll be direct here you can take one of the fiqh opinions that the meat of ahdul kitab is permissible mm -hmm. and as a means of transition you use that particular fiqh view as mm -hmm. she transitions she's still allowed to eat from many places right mm -hmm. so so if that is the one thing stopping her, then you can introduce that ruksa for her. 
right? And this is permissible, but it depends on his situation. The other thing I would just like just just add on here is, I get that people want to enjoy life, and um, food is a source of pleasure for many people, if not all of us. I mean, look at the size of me. But <clears throat> the greatest pleasure is to know God, and no Muslim who practices Islam goes hungry because of their practicing in Islam. We're satisfied with the types of food that we have and the food that we can eat. So really, it may be the case that she's made a mountain perhaps out of a molehill, anticipating some great difficulty or restriction when in practice and in reality, we don't really see this. Mm-hmm. So the other thing is, I would rather she be a Muslim and sinful than a non-Muslim and sinful. So even if she takes the shahada, and inshallah she does, and she eats the haram, I'm not saying this is permissible, but it is better for her to be in a state of a believer and do the haram, and then, you know, transition and build an Islamic lifestyle for herself. All mm-hmm. we need is to get over that point of the shahada. Understand what she believes, belief in Allah, confirm the six articles of faith, and then just let her ease into the transition. Mm-hmm. Maybe one thing I would ask her is connect her with sisters. Does she have Muslim friends? Does she? Uh, uh, she, she doesn't. That, that's the thing. A, a sister yeah. is more likely to identify more with other women than a, mm-hmm. than a man or a brother like, like yourself, right? She might exactly, want that yeah. moral support. <laughs> and if she can see and experience other Muslims in the Netherlands living a functional, happy, enjoyable life, then maybe mm-hmm. that may just push her over the edge, inshallah. So that's just something to consider. I apologize if I cut in on this. No, that's fine. Uh, brother Bosni, we've got quite a few people waiting. So we, we, is that a good answer for you, brother? Yeah, yes, I'm satisfied. Thank you, Jessica. Uh, uh, just very, very, very quickly, just explain to the sister, much the brothers have explained in great detail, I'll be very, very quick, which is that, you know, for example, in Islam, the sunnah is to wash your hands before you eat, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, for many centuries, people might not have appreciated what that uh, what that was for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, bacteria, filth, these sort of things were not really recognized by people for centuries. They didn't know that these things existed or the importance of these things. Yet today, alhamdulillah, we now, we realize actually, yes, it's a very good practice. Wash your hands thoroughly before you eat your food. Now, not understanding something fully uh, or comprehending something fully doesn't make it wrong and even though it might seem difficult that you have to wash your hands you have to go out of your way you can't just grab the sandwich and start eating it the sunnah is to wash your hands you know even though it might seem inconvenient we can see the benefit of it now you see so just mm-hmm. tell her look it depends on what perspective how what perspective you're looking at things what you might feel restrictive what you might feel is difficult maybe elevating you greatly in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala maybe purifying you for following Allah's commandments maybe benefiting you far more than that burger that you enjoy eating or that restaurant that you enjoy eating steak in the benefit mm-hmm. to your soul and to your future to your life and to your death may be so extreme uh, that you know you don't appreciate it now you don't see it now but uh, it, it definitely whatever allah has told us to give up we recognize that this is beneficial to us whether it's physically mentally psychologically spiritually uh, or, or simply just religiously we know that there is benefit in that alhamdulillah so just try to explain it to her from that perspective as well inshallah 
But but just to reemphasize Brother Jaz's point because it's really important, and I and I like the fact as I Brother Jaz for that clarification, that if don't make this a red line, mm-hmm. you know, help her help her to navigate this and get past this because really, mm. uh, the the most important thing for him to her is to connect with the with Allah, yes. and uh, to to accept um you know the Deen inshallah because that's her gateway to to paradise inshallah, and then may I, may I clarify real a real bit yeah. briefly. Yeah. Um, because we obviously we've spoken about that, and the the other thing that poses a burden is is her her family, uh, people around her, accepting uh, her ch- changing her religion essentially. So so that's a, that, that's the bigger burden in 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 my opinion. But never so mind. Let's have other burdens. So that's a common that's a common thing actually, and mm-hmm. the, it is and. The, the the way to approach that is actually you don't have to go around and make a big announcement and tell the whole world as soon as you take your take your shahada. Um, in fact, you, you're it's a, you're permissible to sort of practice your religion within yourself as much as you can, not tell anyone at, at, about it at all, inshallah, until you're in a position where uh, you feel it's appropriate or safe to do to do so. Um, in fact, many people in certain places will they will be quite harshly treated or even harmed if they were to express that they had become Muslim. Um, depending on where you are in the world and so mm. she doesn't have to announce that or, or, or make it known all she would do is just adjust herself slightly so that you know she she's uh, dressing more uh, with looser clothing and she's sort of avoiding the obvious haram and these sorts of things that she would do and then when she's in a position where she can uh, you know she's feeling safer more independent she can she can let people know about her, her position so that's not in a way you have to say to her look you don't have to make these announcements uh, at all it's not required of you um uh, as, as long as you accept and you know you've taken your shahada and you're within the religion, you you do your best with the circumstances that you have. So that's even easier than the the other issue. Yeah, that yeah. I'm I'm may I make, make it easy for her and, and guide her inshallah. And just like brother, for your questions. I mean, the other point that brother Ajaz made really importantly is she she if she the sister needs to see other sisters who are practicing the religion and interacting with them, because they will they will give her some of the practicality. Because the sisters also. They go out and they have meals and they have they live their lives and they they're, they're enjoying and they're happy and they're not sort of these downtrodden, furrowed-eyed you know people that, that the West portrays them as. And when she mm-hmm. sees that actually you know I connect with these sisters and I get on with them, that would be a big motivator for her to understand that I can be like them, and then that will help her to to take that step. Whereas if it's just a guy telling her you know I don't know if it's online or or face to face, but a guy telling her this stuff about Islam and she can't contextualize that in the living experience, it becomes a harder thing. Uh, so I'll make it easier, brother, for you, and uh, maybe I'll guide the sister. So Jazakallah, okay, for your question and your your yeah. effort, inshallah. I mean, Jazakallah khair. Assalamualaikum, brother. Waalaikum salam. Okay, alhamdulillah. So uh, we've got another four or five waiting, but we are sort of quick, uh, quickly encroaching on time. Uh, there's a couple of cameras that are on, so I'm going to actually get those brothers on first because it just makes my life easier to not to have to validate people. Um, brother Arif, we're going to get you on next. If you can just give me a quick wave, but you are holding a steering wheel, so only do that if it's safe to do so. <laughs> okay, so Brother Arif, we're going to get you Don't wave on with next. both your hands, yeah, please. Yeah, not, not with both hands. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, Lovely. So you, we're going to get you on next. You can switch your camera off if you prefer. You can leave it on, whatever you're comfortable with, inshallah. Uh, okay, Brother Arif, welcome to the stream. Hi, assalamu alaikum, brothers. First of all, thank you for the good job you guys doing. Jazakallah khair, brother. What's your question, brother? First, uh, 
before I start with the questions, I want to ask you for a favor. So I already spoke to you a few months ago on the stream, and um, my, my question was, I actually kind of called you guys for to help me because I was struggling with, you know, um, with praying five times a day, and uh, I was, you know, pretty much uh, asking you that I wasn't feeling really in peace, and uh, I don't know if you remember that conversation we had and uh, so I, I just want to ask you if you can kind of um, edit that video where I was you know I don't want to influence influence other people negatively with that video because that wasn't my attention uh, so I don't know if that's possible in a way to to delete uh, brother Imran you're muted yeah. uh, brother Arif is it okay if you influence people positively with your video yeah, if I if I do, yeah, of course, yeah. I think that's probably what's happening, brother. So what's happening is that people are seeing the reality of the human being is that we all struggle at some point, right. and the the what people see when they see these conversations is they see they recognize. So you don't think you're, that you're the only person. There are lots and lots of people who struggle day to day with uh, lots of things, including their religion, and then they think, you know, uh, this is the trick of shaitan. He says that to you, like, you know what? You're not good enough. You're not good enough to be Muslim. You know, Allah's not going to forgive you. Look at you. Look at where you've lived your life. And they go into a state of despair. And when they see other people on the similar, in maybe in a position not as bad, or maybe in a position that's worse, or they see someone who is struggling, and then they see them step out of it, or the advice that they get from that question, the benefit of that goes to hundreds and thousands of people who view that video. Uh, so I, my advice is, I mean, it's up to you. I mean, we can blur you or whatever you like. We can try and do But my advice is actually, I believe, I would think that people have benefited from your input with us uh, and your openness and they will, uh, and you will help many people with your journey, with your story, because people need to see that actually, you know, I can do what this brother has done, mashallah. Mm -hmm. He was in a tough time and he's come out of it and they will see that they can do the same, inshallah. And none of, and all of us have been in these uh the deepest of these darknesses, and we will, uh, may Allah make us all come out of them, inshallah. Amen. So that would be my advice. But, uh, brother, email us with that and we can talk about it. Uh, um, but my advice is you can probably be helping more people than you think you're putting off. No, yeah, if that's your opinion. I, I agree with you. And, uh, Alhamdulillah, like, uh, that was, uh, like you said, that was uh, a period where I was going through hard time, but Alhamdulillah, Allah, make it easy for me, made it easy for me. And now it's. It's much better, so. Inshallah. Um, I increase you. Did you have a question for us at all, though? Yeah. So the questions are. I have a couple of questions. Uh, whatever you can guys answer, I'll try to be quick. Like, um, one of them is like, like you know, um, like uh, our religion is teaching us to sometimes to do things even if you don't feel like, like uh, to do ibada, even if you don't feel like you have to do some things. Doesn't that? Isn't that like kind of a hypocrisy in a way? Or like even if you don't feel to do something, you still have to do it? How would that... So, so, so for example, you're saying if you're tired and you don't want to pray, but you know that it's, it's a farad prayer, it's a compulsory prayer, you still have to pray. Or if you don't want to fast, um, you know, you still do have to fast. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're alluding to? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in a way, yeah, that, that could be useful. Okay. So we'll get Brother Irfan, inshallah, to open yeah. to start with that. Brother Irfan, is it is it hypocritical, Brother Irfan, uh, is the question. 
brother Irfan, uh, that if you don't want to do something, uh, you still do it. So I, I kind of see it comes back to our purpose and, and, and life in this world, right? So, uh, subhanAllah, it's uh, what we are asked to why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us. He created us to do his worship. Allah says in the Quran, and I have not created the jinn and the human beings except for worshiping me. And at the same time, we have to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best how he created us. So he created us as beings, like I mentioned even before in the stream, we're weak beings, we get tired, we do mistakes, we constantly struggle with our intention. They even say something very beautiful in the Arabic language, the heart, it's called qalb. And the reason it's called qalb, it comes from the same word of turning uh, all the time. And it says like, the reason was called like, because of this, because... You have to always, it's like a constant struggle. Right. And Allah even says that the human being was created in a struggle in one of the later surahs in the Quran, uh, subhanAllah. And um, still like this is what elevates us, that uh, when these struggles come to us, we fight against it and we try to, as best as we can, uh, still fulfill uh, our obligations. And this is... Um, not hypocritical at all, but it is something praiseworthy. Because this is when the scholars speak about fighting your nafs, this is what is meant. Like, like just what you're mentioning, like when you're tired, when your nafs is saying, bro, why why care about praying now? Just go sleep. You can start again from tomorrow, start from zero. Don't worry. And, this and, the, and, and, and you struggle and you say, no, even I'm tired, I'm going to do it. Uh, because uh, subhanallah, Allah created me for this and I want to get closer to Allah. And yeah, and uh, of course, uh, it can be that we slip, but we like this, this is it. Like, uh, like there's this um, narration where the Prophet reported that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that if the human being will stop like sinning, like that he will become perfect, he will do every prayer out of love because he wants to pray right now without any burden, everything, stop doing sins, what would then happen? The Prophet said Allah will destroy the human being and bring another creation that will do sins and ask Allah for forgiveness. So this is just pointing out the thing that we are supposed to have these deficiencies, get tired of uh, of, of these things that we are asked about because Allah created us like this. And the the point is that we struggle to still do them and this is like how our material is shown, like our material as good beings, as moral beings. Uh, this is like the situations. Because if everything is easy, then anyone can, like there is no there, there is no challenge, there is no trial. If, uh, if, if Allah created us like as a kind of superhumans that uh, we don't need sleep and we don't need that and everything is as for us, we, we always feel in the movie, then there is no challenge like subhanAllah. It doesn't reflect the purpose why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this whole world in the first place. So subhanAllah, I hope um, maybe to an extent I could I mean, answer to your question. Uh, and brother Arif, just very quickly to add as well, when and we, we, we can all go through this where we feel very tired and we think, oh, I still have to read my Isha. Uh, or, you know, um, I'm finding fast a little bit hard because maybe they're in the summer or maybe I have to do a lot of work during the day and we struggle through this. But one of the things that we uh, will find it easier, Brother Arif, is if we're connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
and we recognize or we try to at least recognize and appreciate the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us. Uh, so for example, your health, your eyes, your you know, your family, all of these things that Allah has bestowed upon you. Uh, and we start to ponder and to think about these, it'll make us more grateful and inshallah it'll make it easier for us to do the fast, to do the dhikr, to do the adhgarat, to do the salah. And even when we're tired, suddenly we will get spurred on, we will get an energy. Uh, because when, when, for example, somebody does something for you, a, a big favor for you, um, you know, even if you're tired, suddenly you perk up, you have all this energy now because the person has just gifted you a car or they've just gifted you a lot of money or whatever it might be. Um, similarly, what about the gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he's bestowed upon us? When we ponder, when we think about those gifts of Allah, then we become more grateful to Allah, inshallah ta'ala. And as a consequence, those, that ibadah is something that we do not necessarily just because of necessity, <coughs> but because of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to please Allah, to be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you will enjoy the salah, you will enjoy the fasting uh, a, a lot more uh, if you're connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you're connected to, to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So that might be one of the things as well uh, that you could do. But also, you know, like Brother Arfan said as well, you know, if you're very, very tired and one of the brothers commented there as well and you and you, and you say, Ya Allah, I, I, I am very tired and I am struggling to do the salah. But because Allah, you've bestowed me with so many favors and you've bestowed upon me uh, a need and a commitment that I have to keep, inshallah, I will try to, with my best ability to perform the prayer, to please you, Ya Allah, to be an obedient slave to you, Allah. And when we try to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this way, inshallah, knowing that Allah hears everything, sees everything, things will become a lot easier as well, inshallah. Can I just very briefly just, um, brother, the other thing to bear in mind, I mean, I'm sure, does that make sense to you, brother? You you understand? Oh, oh. Yeah, of course, yeah. So just to give a slightly different angle, um, so if you're there's we what if you want freedom in your life, mm -hmm. the only way to achieve that is through self-discipline. Otherwise, what happens is that you become a slave to your desires, and you will not achieve any outcome you put your mind to uh, that you would want, and your desires will lead you here and there. So the the route to and and just think of a simple thing like. You know, if you you want to save for you know an event that's coming up, like you know your there's a wedding coming up, or you want to buy something you know for your parents or whatever that might be. Now, if you're I, I, I like this thing, I'm going to buy this. You know, oh, I desire that, I'm going to buy that. I don't feel like saving today. I'm going to you will not you will not achieve the thing that you're trying to achieve, and so you become a slave to your oh. desires, and it prevents you from the true freedom of what you want to achieve. Yeah. Now, the discipline it helps you to. Self-discipline, the brothers mentioned controlling the nafs and all of these things, 100% spot on. The discipline is what gives you your achievements. It lets you achieve the things you want to achieve. <clears throat> we often see the outcomes of great pe people who have achieved great success, but we don't see the um, the things that they have to do getting up very early. And, you know, if you look at the life of the Prophet, and, and even the, the companions, they were, you know, the Prophet was up half the night or a third of the night or slightly more than that in, in Ibadah um, and always working towards the goals that Allah had provided in terms of this is what I would like you to do and try to meet these. So what we need is really the, to understand that self-discipline, controlling the nafs and trying to aim for a target, and our target is Jannah, 
that then we have to then put that discipline in to achieve that outcome. And if we let our desires take over, then we will not achieve anything. Because Allah says in the Quran, have you not seen those who take their desires as gods? Yeah. And we fall into start to fall into this category where our desires is more than our thing. So actually, it's the opposite. If you don't feel like doing something, but you still do it knowing the importance, this is the opposite of hypocrisy. Whereas if you say, I believe that Allah is the one who guides and he's given me the the, the method to be in the world to achieve Jannah, and then you do it when you feel like it and don't do it when you feel like it, that, would, that wouldn't be the hypocrisy. So it's the, it's the opposite way around. So the self-discipline is the thing that will allow you to achieve true freedom, inshallah, in, in this life and in the hereafter. May Allah make it easy for us all, brother. I mean, I mean, brother Arif, does that answer your question, inshallah? Yes, that answered my question perfectly. I understand. Thank you. Appreciate it. Jazakallah um, khair, brother, for coming on. And mashallah, you know what it is, brother? These type of questions are good not only for yourself and for perhaps some of the people listening, but it's a reminder to us as well when we when we hear one another and we and we uh, you know because brother, we all sometimes struggle. Uh, you know, we're we're all weak Muslims. We're not uh, you know just because we're on the YouTube, people think oh subhanallah, but we we all weak, brother. We sometimes are tired. Sometimes we we read our salah and we hope that we would read it better we would we would connect better we would have more khushu and this is a battle that we all face that we all go through and alhamdulillah it becomes a reminder uh, for all of us as well so jazakallah khair for coming on brother okay can i ask you just one more question if you or you uh, you can do but what i'm going to do is i'm going to ask brother Irfan only to answer that because we've got about four or five other people waiting and i don't think we're going to get everybody on but please do ask your question inshallah we'll ask get brother Irfan to answer that one if you can just make it a brief answer i would appreciate please yep Please go ahead. So, like anytime I have a question, like even if I ask somebody or I listen some lectures on YouTube and I always hear so many different opinions, how do I know which one is like, I always ask myself, how do I know which one is the opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So are, are you speaking opinion? about fiqh issues or uh, issues that uh, according to the belief? According to the belief, actually. The fiqh issues, I understand, you know, uh, you can follow the different madcaps but mm -hmm. it's which one is the opinion of, of so, so my, my advice would be because we cannot go very in detail in this but the general advice would be like Allah gave us faculties okay like our uh, intellect our intellect and our rationality and other tools and it is like subhanallah finding the right religion uh, like the same tools we're using for finding Islam, mm -hmm. the same tools, uh, you, uh, and don't forget, like the most important tool, your heart, your uh, intention uh, for finding uh, the correct belief. Because, like, I why did I ask if it was a fiqh related issue or not? Because there is, like you said, you know, alhamdulillah, that there are different madhahab and there are different opinions in fiqh, but the belief there can be, uh, subhanallah, only one correct understanding in the foundations. So yeah. the same way you can you establish for yourself that Islam is a true religion to follow, inshallah, if you use the same tools to examine these beliefs, to look at the evidence, you can uh, establish which belief is justified and which belief is uh, not justified without like maybe you no know, mentioning particular belief systems in particular because it's it's going to be very a uh, long answer, but have the right intention. Ask Allah for guidance. There is a very beautiful supplication of the Prophet, uh, peace and blessings be upon him, where he said, Oh Allah, show me the truth as truth and uh, provide me the, the following of it. 
and show me the falsehood as falsehood and keep me away from it. So, right. so, so dua like this, but really with, with a sincere intention and then using the tools that Allah has gave you, correcting your intention first, asking Allah for guidance and then uh, uh, trying your best to find, okay, disbelief, what's the evidence behind this, what is the truth. And subhanAllah, even if, if you did all that with the correct intention and subhanAllah, you got confused or something or you maybe uh, in, in one particular issue, you didn't got like 100% the right thing. Allah says in the Quran, um, in, in, in the end of Surah Baqarah, uh, O our Lord, don't take us for when we have uh, erred or when we have for, forgotten. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he explains this uh, this verse of the Quran, through uh, Hadith Qudsi, where Allah SWT speaks, he says that when the believer say, says this, like when he says, O Allah, forgive us for what we have forgotten and um, uh, what what we have erred in, Allah says that I, I have done this already. And he, don't worry, like, subhanAllah, because uh, it is not, um, you're not accountable for that. As long as you did your best to find um, the find the truth with the tools available for you with the right intention. And, of course, asking Allah for guidance. And one very quick point, Brother Arif, is generally go with consensus of scholarship throughout the world on matters. Mm. So even when there are differences of opinion, there is a consensus of scholarship that that difference of opinion is acceptable. So when we have the ijma, the consensus of scholarship, inshallah ta'ala, you will, that's probably the safest position that you can be in. For somebody like myself, who's a lay person, I'm not a scholar. So I would generally go for consensus of opinion. And even when there, those opinions may differ, the consensus is that those those varied opinions are also correct as well. So that's probably a good advice as well. Uh, Brother Arif, Jazakallah khair for coming on. Sorry to rush you because we've got no a lot of people no waiting. Problem. No problem. Thank you so much, guys. Jazakallah khair. Asalaamu alaikum, brother. Asalaamu alaikum. Okay. So um, we're going to um, get to, let's see who we got. we got got uh, Brother with his camera on, Abdul Rahim. Abdul Rahim, uh, just give me a quick wave if you can, please. Lovely. We're going to get you on next, brother. Welcome to the stream, Abdurrahim. Asalaamu Alaikum. Uh, I've just got two questions. So basically, I've been going to a masjid and um, some of my family members are like, oh, you can't go to that masjid because they say, uh, Ya Muhammad, and call uh, Muhammad Sallallahu Master Muhammad. Sure. And it's just, it's, I don't know, it's just confusing me because I've got like some part of my family saying this, then others saying another thing. And I just don't know what to do. All that. Dr. Imran, do you want to start with that question? Because <laughs> it's a bit of a fiki one, isn't it really? Uh, no, it's not fiki. It's more to do with um, uh, different people having different perspectives. But in what context are you saying these things, brother? Uh, well, just when I go to the masjid, like one of my uncles said, you can't go there because they've got a sign saying Ya Muhammad, and that's uh, worshiping Muhammad in uh, like you'd worship uh, Allah. So in my mind, it's confusing me. I, obviously, I don't know so much about Islam. I'm still learning, but I'm just getting complicated. Like I don't know where to look or anything. Like what to do. I mean, I'm I'm not sure about the masjid and what signs you're talking about. Uh, what I would say is that really um, the basic principle is, is that we don't call to anyone other than Allah for any help with anything, bottom line. 
be that the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, be that uh, angels, be that other pious people. The only one that could, and this is a general principle. I'm not trying. To, I'm not getting into all of the deep, you know, stuff. But because why Allah is the one He's all hearing, and he, when you call to Allah, He will ask you for help. So this is the and calling upon anyone else is similar to calling upon the Christians calling upon Jesus peace be upon him or you know other people calling upon other companions maybe for a direct help. It's not something that you you would do. Um, now, but I'm not sure about this sign that you're saying. Uh, it's it's not something that is really said in any way. You know, in the masjids that I've been into, irrespective of any signs that I've seen, people go there, they say their salah, they pray to Allah, and they come. They really come out of it. They don't really, you don't see them calling upon the Prophet, peace be upon him. So I don't recognize what you're saying. So what I would say, don't be confused. Um, just make sure that when you're going, you're going to pray and you're coming back. And this is really the the, the, the issue there. And keep learning. So wh- who, how are you learning, brother? Where are you learning your information from? YouTube. Yeah, so that's not an ideal way to learn your Islam, if I'm very honest with you. Uh, what yeah. I would suggest, w- which area are you in, brother? Uh, I mean, uh, Jewsbury near Bradford. Yeah, so there's lots of uh, really good masjids in the area, mashallah. There's a great uh, Darul Loom there as well. So there are places you can go and uh, sit with people who will uh, help you to guide them uh, and to, um, uh, you know, to to take you on the path of learning the basics and moving forward. YouTube, you're not going to learn anything because there's no systematic way of learning anything on YouTube. It's just someone, yeah, right. some person's opinion, then another person's opinion, and a, and you're going to have this mishmash of different things, and you're going to get even more confused. So what you need is yeah. like almost like a curriculum that you have to study through with with a institute. And I think because you're in Jewsbury, you, you're surrounded by this brother. Mashallah. You have yeah, yeah. very very good institutions yeah. there that you can go and join, and you can visit them. You know, and they will take you systematically through the basics, and all of this confusion that you have, brother, will, will be cleared up, inshallah. Mm. So. Does it, matter, does it matter which masjid I go to, or can I just go to any? Or so, like... so, brother, what I would advise you is that uh, generally, in, in like a brother Imran said, that in Dewsbury you have the the big ishtama as well. Uh, in yeah, Bat- yeah. Batley, Dewsbury, Sheffield, Bradford, uh, Burnley, you you have lots of masajid there. Um, generally, Hanafi, uh, Sunni masajid. Just go to any of them, ask them. There's lots of muftis there, mashallah, in, in Batley, Dewsbury, uh, you know, they, because they all many of them studied from the Darul Ulum. So just find out who the mufti is in the local masjid there, inshallah ta'ala. I ask him. I know there is some contention about people saying Ya Muhammad because the word generally is understood as Ya meaning present. Somebody who's present, you would say Ya uh, Allah, which means Allah is, of course, aware of what you're saying. And there's some contention about whether you can say Ya Muhammad or not, or whether if it's on the wall, what is meant by that. Just, I would say, just ask the Darul Ulum, ask the Mufti there. There's lots of Muftis, lots of Sheikhs there. It does depend upon the context of what they're saying and what they mean by it and and what their uh, Aqidah is. But generally, the mosques in Batley, Dewsbury, Sheffield, mashallah, they are, they're, they're all very, very good. You might find a handful who might have certain. Uh, perhaps certain elements of, of 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 belief that perhaps the ulama might not agree with, but whether you can then go and pray there or not might actually not be a problem or a contention. But just inshallah, speak to the local muftis inshallah. There's lots of them there, brother. Yeah, that's fine. Thank you for helping me. I You're welcome, brother. That. Thank you very much Thank for you. coming on the, uh, on, on the on the stream, brother. Okay, so we've got Brother Sam waiting for some time. Sam, can you just take your mask off and just give me a little thumbs up? And then you can, of course, 
put your mask back on if you want to, or you can close your camera. Can can you just do that for me, Sam? Can you just give me a little wave? Lovely. Okay, we're going to get you on next, Sam. Um, uh, you can leave your camera on or you can switch it off, whatever you prefer. So welcome to the stream, Sam. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so first of all, uh, I'm a Muslim. Okay. You know, say, because you thought I was a Christian or something earlier. Um, I don't know if you remember that, right? Yeah, no, brother. We don't. Uh, we don't know whether you're Muslim or Christian. We didn't. We didn't realize that. But just like, like oh, I said, he has long hair. It's a depiction of Jesus or something. No, no. no. Oh no. Okay, so that was your your um the the caption you had on the on the thing. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess I have to cover more or something. I don't know. No, 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 no problem at all. If I got that wrong, my apologies. So uh, please, brother, what's your question? Sorry, yeah. Anyway, so um, basically, like, can I say two verses from the Quran that, that it's like the, it's the question? It's the question. Yeah, yeah, for, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'm talking, I'm, I'm, I'm question, I have a question about all of us. Okay, like the, I don't know, what do we call it now? The Uma or something, right? Okay. Okay, so it would be, it, I mean, it's uh, chapter 4 in verse 114. Yeah? Um, and then the other one that's, like, connected with that is, uh, sorry, uh, chapter, wait, 88. Yeah? And verse 11. Okay, so that's like the first one for um, chapter 4. Okay, sorry. Is everyone still here? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're listening. Yeah, okay, yeah and because you know, I was like looking on, I'm using the phone. And so it's like about talking about um, in the time of, of the prophet, the prophet Muhammad, right? Which verse um, in chapter four? Yeah, it's one hundred and fourteen. Okay, that would be about people conversing, like not that great, like you know the conversation and stuff. Except, and then it said it goes on to say in that same verse, except for people who who are, who are like conciliation, doing that, and like you know charity. For good conduct, right? I mean, I think that's like the first time it's ever really mentioned. So, if you guys uh, remember, like in the beginning of this particular stream, I kind of like said something like a little bit rude or harsh or whatever, because it's not just because of you and that you were talking about, you know, I didn't want to mention it. It's just like, you know, adult privacy. Okay, like just 100%. That's what you're talking about. And it's okay. I understand that. Because someone, an, an adult, had a question about that pertaining to some kind of rule uh, pertaining to marriage or something in Islam. And the only reason I kind of like said something rude was because the other channel, Beth Dawah, Dawah Wise, 
because like sorry i'm, I'm just going to say it because it's like a very similar logo and i know you guys know each other and stuff so um they were talking about stuff like that but more in depth for like almost an hour and then like i had to you know leave that stream because i couldn't really i just didn't want to hear it anymore so anyway um all i'm saying is that there's the other verse yeah or, or the other in the other chapter talking about paradise and there will be no unsuitable speech right so i understand and it's important because if i'm hearing it for an hour and it's like just constantly grown adults like i understand every once in a while it's like you know if, if we limit it and we don't talk about that too much it's kind of funny it's like I, i'm listening to it for too long is what is what i'm saying and you know it kind of just goes in, it, the more that people do that it's like going against what we're all about sam you know? sorry to interrupt you sam but i i don't really understand i mean maybe i wasn't here at the beginning of the stream but i don't understand what you're important. asking uh, brother i don't understand um is there a point you wanted to make about the verses or is there something specific because i'm not getting what you're saying brother uh we have the correct verses it's chapter 4 114 and then chapter 88 verse 11 right just make sure, sure. What, was, what was your point about the verses brother? okay you got it so it's about i'm not saying that you guys are those people in chapter 4 114 you understand that right i'm not saying i'm not accusing you of that you get that and, and then i promise i'm going to ask the question yeah, of course, we understand that you're not accusing okay. us of anything. Yeah, please carry on. Okay. Okay. But I am not accusing the other people on the other channel, but I am stating the fact that they were talking about, you know, something that was inappropriate for too long of a time. This is like basically like something that, like, you know, other faiths would be doing. But so Sam, the uh, is, sorry, what's the question? Please ask a question. Yeah. What do you think? would be better than talking about that for you know an extended period of time so sam i don't know when you say talking about that uh, i don't know what it is you're referring to that's one thing the second thing is is i don't know what uh, um the brothers may have said or not said on dow wise and i and i knowing them and and you know thinking highly of them i don't think that it would have been anything that would be considered this verse would apply to um so you know with all respect i don't think we're in a position to make comment on someone else's channel or what people are saying yeah i think sam if you don't mind brother just um because as i say we're running out of time as well if you can email us inshallah just you know clarifying then perhaps we can try to uh respond i, I didn't think you were being rude necessarily so if i if i came across uh, that way please uh forgive me I didn't. I didn't mean that you were you were rude, but um, um, but yeah, e email us inshallah, brother. The email address is just efdawa at gmail .com, and we'll see if we can get back to you inshallah on your on your uh, contention and your query. But thank you very much for coming on and clarifying your position, brother. Allah. All right, brother. Assalamualaikum. All right, lovely. So we've got uh, Brother Saeed waiting. Brother Saeed, just give me a quick wave. Inshallah, we're going to get you on next. 
you can have your camera on or you can turn it off, whatever you are comfortable with. Uh, Brother Saeed, welcome to the stream. Assalamu alaikum. So I was just thinking the other day about uh, the, uh, the concept of infinity. Uh, so, so Allah is infi infinite, but then the concept of infinity is uh, it's so hard to understand the concept of infinity. So, and I, I don't think uh, it's logical and I can explain you with an example um, because and I, uh, it can be so like Allah's uh, uh, features can be so big that we can't even fathom, but I wouldn't say that's like infinite because infinite is a little illogical in my head. Maybe and you can for sure. Please help me explain this. Uh, so if like if he the thing is that with infinite, I think like uh, that would mean that there is so much of something that it covers everything. So and if that covers everything, then it would become part of us too. So that does that make sense? Like uh, uh, so, for example, let's say if infinite was uh it's it's so much that uh, it it doesn't exist uh, i mean no 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 not not doesn't exist does, if it doesn't exist in this world then it's not infinite is what i'm saying you know like cuz there's something missing from that infinity which is which um, is yeah, yeah brother the thing is these type of questions are right. impossible for us to actually fathom and and, okay. talk about. and i'll t and i'll tell you why okay because the the quantifiable infinite doesn't exist. I.e., mm -hmm. when we talk about universe, we talk about matter, we talk about energy. Right. Uh, you know, we talk about distance measuring from one end to the other end. Right. What we, when when we're talking about Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, this is beyond the quantifiable. This is beyond the material. This is the supernatural. This is outside of the very dimensions that we understand okay. as as time and space and all of these things. Now, how um, this time and space exists within the other, you know, we don't understand all of these things. Right. Um, right. And okay. so what, what we do, what we do understand is that Allah you know, is not in his creation. Mm -hmm. He's not part of his creation, but his right. knowledge encompasses everything and how Allah may be in infinite, despite not being inside me physically. Right. Yeah, Right, right. Um, is is something that because our our perception of even the very dimensions of you know three right. dimensions plus time four dimensions of space time right. is something that's limited and the scientists say that there are possibly eleven different dimensions or fourteen different. Oh. How do these exist? How do they exist? Yeah, we don't know. Separately, we have, we have no idea about these things. So I think the Prophet sallallahu also did, if I'm not mistaken, and please brothers correct me. Is that when we start look, thinking about Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, there's always going to be a limited scope of our right. understanding and 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 figuring out, uh, you know, about the majesty of Allah. <laughs> it's way beyond the very capacity or capability of what the human mind can can envisage or or can even understand, and that also applies to things like qadr. Uh, predestination and all of these things that the Prophet ﷺ said, don't delve deep into these type of uh, discussions because you're not going to be capable of fully appreciating and understanding them. So I think, um, you know, when 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 we're when we're when we're told that Allah Allah is infinite in power, infinite in wisdom, unlimited, uncountable, 
in terms of his power and in terms of his, uh, you know, his, his capacity, his, uh, you know, his attributes, whatever they might be. Um, it, it's beyond our understanding. And I think that we should perhaps realize that our limitations of, of our abilities can only go so far and that we right. cannot take I, them to fully I, understand this concept. Have a a quick so in uh, when it comes to like some features like wisdom right i can understand for wisdom is infinite maybe i can understand because in uh, his his some of his wisdom can be existing within us right like some of it that he has uh, displayed or uh, given us through the revelation right he we might have some of his wisdom that he has well, provided when, right? say, when we say we have you some of that? his his wisdom we have to be careful no? of that okay because, okay. because it we can say Allah has bestowed upon us through his Bestow, rahmah, yeah. through his right, right, uh, right. miracle our, given bad. us the capacity to have wisdom right. whether we could, whether we should put it in a way that we have literally have his wisdom could potentially be interpreted in a, in a, in a difficult way I think we should be careful of that okay sure 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 yeah because okay I think that the, the concept of wisdom I think I can understand thinking uh, like if there were, uh, if, if there are like infinite number of books, right, that could be counted as infinite wisdom. And uh, and I, uh, uh, based on his mercy, uh, he bestowed upon us, he gave us some wisdom, right? Uh, but when it comes to like concept like mercy, mercy is something that you can't like quantify, right? It's like, it's very, like, there's nothing to, like how much merciful you are. So that's where that part comes, right? Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like, uh, the in he his mercy is infinite i think or is it is he i, I think the, the, the concept the, the, is most the, the, merciful the question you have to ask brother yeah sorry uh, the, i would just like ask you a question so maybe you can understand yeah. it better. sure sure sure, sure. so sure. when we let, let's for, you brought for example mercy up is yeah. there something that limits allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy that that limits his attributes that's another angle of it but doesn't probably answer what I'm, my perspective, I think. I, I think, yeah, there's definitely nothing that limits Salah Subhanallah's mercy. No, there's nothing yeah, to answer your so. question. But we are looking at, at an angle of like, like a, a, a incorporating everything that's out there, right? So if there's if there's infinite mercy in, with Allah Subhanallah, then we also have, we are also merciful people, right, sometimes. So, so you make so, so our mercy is not Allah Subhanahu Taala's mercy, right? So yeah, well, if we it, if it, we it, combine so brother, it's like out of the mercy concept, like uh, I don't know how to explain. To be honest, brother Sayed, brother Sayed, yeah, I think if you because you're you're doing you're making a mistake in your thinking. Okay, and what you're sure. doing is you're, you're conflating the creation with the creator. And, okay. uh, and but I think Brother Irfan was okay. trying to get you to think through that process so that you yeah. can come out yeah. with something. Yeah. Okay. So when you're, even yeah. when you're talking about mercy, you're trying to think that there's a uh, an amount that you that Allah has, and then we have right. like, a yeah. from it. So like there's a well of mercy, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has a lot. This okay. is a the, yeah. the, the the foundation of your thinking in this matter is flawed. Let Brother Irfan talk you through the process of approaching this so that you, there's more clarity inshallah just look at brother Irfan. yeah sure sure brother Irfan, please please look brother said like what 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 i can tell you like if the mercy we have okay if you want to say okay this as well belongs to allah then you made allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy limited why because 
our mercy is 100% limited. And if you can add to Allah's mercy with like, like with that limited addition, Perfect. then so, so, so you're sense. basically, yeah, you're that basically because the infinite, it cannot be added to a part of a part of infinite. Right. So if you say, if you say this, everything is Allah and everything is his mercy. Okay. Right, Even right. us included. Well, we can, if there would be a method, we could look, okay, how much mercy is there in the creation? Right. And, and it's going to be finite. Right. So, so then we're going to have a part of a, a part of an infinite being finite. And this is, this is the logical problem. You see, this is not possible. So this, uh, this alone shows you that, uh, subhanAllah, um, uh, this thinking that for, in, in order for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attributes being like, uh, un un unlimited, that it is necessary that our attributes belongs to him as well. That it do it doesn't not not only that it doesn't follow, but gotcha. it would even make it uh, impossible to be unlimited. Okay, mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I think uh, this explains it very good. And uh, um, yeah, I think that's like, perfect uh, explanation. That's that's actually yeah. just uh, wraps up my head in that. So thank and the you way the way I like to understand the attributes, not in the way of. Like infinity doesn't mean omnipresence, for example. These are two different things. And if, you, like, I think, like Brother Abbas said something, we have a limited mind, okay? Uh, we, we cannot, the, these questions, these problematics uh, occur when we try to visualize in our minds these concepts, okay? And this is just system error gonna happen, bro. So, um, uh, this is like, uh, where we like subhanallah need to like know that we are limited and stuff but uh alhamdulillah um if uh, yes if you ask your question ask yourself this uh, question uh is there a limit to allah's attributes and if the answer is no then there is no problem like with <laughs> infinity because if you would say yes that there is a limit then he couldn't be allah because astaghfirullah because um exactly because he would be limited, and then you could ask what limited him, and he would be dependent on the thing that limited him. So, I'm sorry I'm rushing it just a little bit because we're coming to the end of time. But Brother Said, I think I do agree with some of the comments I put up as well. Which I agree that, too. <laughs> we, that we don't really we don't benefit from delving into these issues because yeah. we need to worry about our creedal issues in terms of and, and our faraid, our compulsory uh, forms of <clears throat> excuse me and belief and of course practices we need to get those done and we need to make sure that we're doing those inshallah properly of course there's nothing wrong with asking questions but delving into things that are actually of a nature in terms of being unlimited in their in their scope it, it is not something that we're going to be able to fathom or understand fully but jazakallah khair brother for coming on it was a, it was a good question even though it was a not a question really that any of us yeah, would be able to it, the answer. only benefit i see is that i got sukun by brother Irfan's answer. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And that's, Alhamdulillah. that's Alhamdulillah. wonderful, mashallah. Jazakallah khair, brother Said. Jazakallah. Asalaamu alaikum. I mean, you know, he had it on his mind and he asked the question. And I think that we should uh, uh, recognize that the brother was mashallah brave. He asked the question, which is good. I mean, if you have something on your mind and it's bugging you, I think, yes, you should ask the question. I think it's important. Uh, brother Josefi um, and uh, Eats uh, Eating. Um, Eats Eating has got his camera on, so we're going to get you on next uh, very, very quickly, if, if possible, please. Um, also, just, just give me a quick thumbs up, Brother Eats Eating. 
Lovely. We're going to get you on next. You can have your camera on or turn it off. And then we're going to just have one last guest. Uh, but we're going to shall I try to keep these a bit short uh, because we have run out of time. Brother uh, Eats Eating. <laughs> that sounds like a name that I could probably like very much. But uh, uh, welcome to the stream, brother. Assalamu alaikum. I was, um, I had a little discussion with an atheist at Pine Creek uh, early on this evening. And it was about uh, the age of uh, marriage, nine years old. He was uh, he was uh, winding up a, a Muslim last week about uh, that. It seems to have uh, uh, got to the Muslim last week. So this week I, I, I went on and I said to him, Look, the age is arbitrary. The age doesn't matter as long as principles of no harm, if society accepts it, psychologically ready, physically ready. Don't keep harking on the age. Um, the Quran says if you fight, each society can set the age and the time. Um, if um, you are, if if they find that uh, the, the the person getting married is of age and is ready, then there's no problem. Sure. Um, that he, he kept on talking about nine, nine. Then I think he got fed up with uh, with my insistence that, you know, it doesn't have to be nine and et cetera. And he was falling into the traps of uh, the fallacy of presentism and yeah. fallacy of uh, all this lot of morality has changed. And I pointed out only in 1900 was this uh, even an issue. And uh, then later on, an, an, um, another Muslim came on, and he said what I said was uh, BS. That uh, if the if a if a girl reaches the age of puberty at nine, that is the age, and uh, there's no uh, ifs or buts, which yeah. kind of uh, startled me. Um, yeah, unfortunately, and you, your mashallah, you've answered the question very. It succinctly and I think in a very nice detail and very uh, thoughtful manner uh, and unfortunately there are some but one thing you've got to be careful of brother eats eating is that um, I'm not I'm not saying for certain of course that this person who came on was not Muslim but you have to be very careful some of these streams sometimes people come on they're, they're actually not Muslim they're Christian sometimes and they pretend to be Muslim and they come out with very black and white uh, uh, answers in order to sort of um, rally up people uh, to think a particular way. But I think you answered it very beautifully. You answered it with detail. Um, it, 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 even non-Muslims who work in social sciences uh, and, and they study history, they don't ha really have a problem with this. It's just an emotional argument that is based um, or baseless, really, um, with with evidence or with social science studies and what have you, uh, or even taking history into into Pine Creek's own great great grandfather may well have married somebody of that mm. age. It, does he have a problem with that? Why doesn't he find out and start making programs about his own ancestors? Because they probably did marry under sixteen as well. Maybe um, it was because I also said that the the, the prophet if he lived in you know so let me if he if, if he lived in society today. He would follow the customs of that society. Exactly, but these um, people, they don't want to. Hit, uh, to be honest, you know, there are some people who are genuine in terms of their questioning, and there are people like Pine yeah. Creek. And unfortunately, but, but I, I think some Muslims. Are, sorry, brother. I think some Muslims. Are, even by saying that, 
it's like a, a criticism of the prophet. So maybe that's what the brother who yeah. came on afterwards. Maybe yeah. he thought, he maybe yeah. thought I was criticizing the prophet. So no, of course not. And I think what you explained it I, from what you've said to me now, it clear, clearly is a very good explanation. I think I mean you know even basic stuff like life expectancy. People were dying at twenty eight. It's a completely, completely different environment, and it's a yes. ludicrous thing to say that you have to be 18 or 21 before you get married, because before your child reaches five or six years old, you'd be dead. Humanity would go extinct. <laughs> exactly. But, thank you, brothers. Uh, if, if, if any of the other brothers want to say anything, I'll... I'll uh, quickly jump off and let's the last... for coming on, brother. I really appreciate your nice uh, short uh, question. Thank you, brother. Have a good uh, Dr. Imran, you want to add anything before we close? Yeah, so, so even so, there's a couple of things. I'm not sure if I agree with this that if the Prophet were here, he would follow the customs of the society because the Prophet, in his own time, went against the customs of the society to bring about the correct way of living. And so what the process established is the correct way of living. And our society would, um, the things that we are doing wrong in our society, he would have corrected that, inshallah. So we have to be clear in about in our thinking. No, I think, Imran, and please do correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but one of the criteria is the customs uh, of the era and the time being uh, an influence upon uh, the age of marriage. And so uh, because this is not a... The well, yeah, I understand about, but the thing, yeah. the, the point I'm making is, we have to put the we have to put the right driver in before we understand where we, the society is going. So the society follows the guidance of the messenger, not the other way around, and that's what I'm. That's really important to clarify that in your head. Yes. So when the Prophet would, if he agrees with something that the society is doing now, it's because it's in compliance with. Yes. What Allah okay, has guided. I see, I see your point. That's a very subtle point, point, but I just really wanted people not to misunderstand that we're. I see your point. Saying that. The other thing is the person who disagreed with him, that's saying, well, if the PBT is X age, then that's the age. Well, that's also saying that there's not an age because they're waiting mm -hmm. for something, event which is not bound by age, which is the puberty. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, it, even that is a non-answer. And I would the, the last thing I would say is that why are you going on Pine Creeks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. to be honest, it's just a waste of your time. You're gonna yeah, it's just totally like jumping in the mud and expecting not to have yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Um, I mean, you know, he came on to one of the streams, yeah. pretended to be very kind and nice, and just asking. He questions. always does that. Yeah, he and did then, and then went on to his, and then when he went yeah. on to his stream, and like a child, started mocking. I mean, really, is this an adult or is this is this an immature child going away and mocking people. I mean, if you have something to say and you are man enough to have an argument and you and you feel that you have the you have uh, the right to, let's say, way of looking at things, then, you know, by all means, come on the stream and present your case and let's have that discourse. Let's have that discussion. Let it be a little bit perhaps even robust if it needs to be. But don't, don't. I mean, pretend you're a nice guy. You're coming on, just asking questions, and then go away and start mocking because that's just being a coward. It's being like a keyboard warrior, being very brave sure. outside of the arena, as it were. And when you're in the arena, you're like a little mouse. I mean, to me, that's not really... I would say it's not very mature. It's very childish, really. But let's not go into that. Um, uh, Brother Josefa, you haven't had your camera on, so we're not going to be able to get you on because that is one of the conditions. Okay, you've just put it on now. Very quickly, you can ask your question, and then we're going to close the stream, inshallah. Uh, welcome to the stream, brother. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. So my question is, uh, so in Islam, uh, we have to do da'wah, amr bil ma'ruf wa nahyan al-munkar. But uh, what is the balance between doing that 
and uh, don't uh, don't applying uh, oppression or don't applying uh, uh, ikrah uh, because the prophet uh, peace be upon him says in a hadith if your child reach the age of 10 and he doesn't pray uh, take him on his uh, back so he he will pray what what is the balance uh, in in doing dawah uh, okay, so I think it, it applies differently to your children, uh, dif- dif- differently certainly to the to the to the wider public. But uh, brother Irfan, if you could give a short answer, and then Dr. Imran a short answer, and then we'll close the stream, inshallah. Ta'ala. Yeah, so Subhanallah, the Prophet said in a narration that uh, whoever sees something like evil, he should forbid this with his uh, with his hand, uh, change it with his hand. If he cannot then forbid it with his tongue, and if he cannot, he should hate it in his heart. And some of the scholars, how they have um, explained this, is that uh, it is dependent of your authority. So if, if you don't have the authority to stop someone drinking in the street because you're living in a country where this is permissible, you know authority there uh, over that person, then, okay, then you can talk to him, uh, you can you can explain it to him, try to uh, uh, prevent it in that manner, but uh, you you cannot like like you said uh, uh, force him in that way because you're not the authority. For someone who's running that country and he is putting rules in place, he has maybe the authority to go a step further. But there is this principle in Islam that. Uh, like we always look at the benefits and the harms. So we don't just do something. We just don't prevent something evil with, with something that may cause, cause more evil out of it. Okay. So um, this is as well, like um, something to consider. So with with regards to your family, it's of course different because you have more authority of, of your family than you have with strangers and uh, subhanallah like uh, even your children ch- children like in general you can discipline them like of course in a way that it's not like subhanallah uh, really hurting them or something but it's just like to discipline them to uh, subhanallah do the obligations and even like like how you would discipline them anything but like the, the narration you mentioned shows that the prophet says like how serious it is and when you can get more serious and yeah subhanallah i i think like it like i said it basically comes down about like how much authority you have over the person you want to change the 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 munkar the evil from lovely dr Imran, you want to add anything inshallah yeah just very if you i mean they definitely just reiterate you're conflating the um dawah to the people with looking after your own family members so it's really important not to do that and um, the other point is if you get to the age where your children are uh, seven eight nine ten and they're not following you in, in the salah and praying with you you've already made mistakes it's not on them it's on you and you have to try and help them ultimately to get to that place where they are doing it so even from a small age your children will maybe when they just start to walk or they just start to uh um, you know, uh, move around. They will, they will come and join you in your cellar. Uh, you know, they would join, and so then when you get to that age where 
Um, you know, they're seven, eight, nine. They're, they're independent of that. And they're already doing these things. And then you have given them the background in terms of teaching and the masjid, etc. So this is talking about these sorts of uh, situations. And as Brother uh, Irfan said, that you know you you are you are you're responsible for your family members. So you would protect them in whichever way you can. And here you're protecting somebody from the fire. And so you would take actions that would help them, but it's not, it's not taking off, uh, taking in like, and it's, this is the same way people view the, you know, the verse about beating the wife and they think that this is horrible thing. It's, it's really just disciplining. And what you do is you, you can even some discipline can be much more uh, subtle than that. If, if you, I mean, we have my, my parents, they had a, there was a look they could give you. And then when you received that look, you knew that, okay, I need to, whatever I'm doing, I just need to sort this out and I need to, get on to doing the right thing and that was strongly felt discipline for us we you know disrupt our parents were uh, displeased with us affected us quite a lot and so if you if you have this very close relationship then really that that you can bring that about it's not really about um ign- not giving them the right background and inco- and, and uh, that'll be uh, f- throughout their lives and then suddenly becoming really heavy and trying to beat them into the vision yeah yeah it's not, not going to work so uh, yeah yeah. I just wanted to put those points in. So uh, No, I think it's very important, Dr. Moran. I think, you know, Mela teach all of our children love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that actually, you know, even the mild, uh, and it is mild discipline that um, we are allowed to do, it has to be used with hikmah. So if you feel that perhaps something will be detrimental to your child uh, reading and praying, then you shouldn't do that. You should try another tactic. Our, our goal should be that our children become good Muslims and they are obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we have to apply uh, those tactics, of course, um, in the best possible way with the best love and humanity and what have you with our children. And Dr. Imran said something very, very beautiful, which is that if your children are not pl- praying by the age of 10, um, you know, 9, 10, whatever, then really you haven't been a good parent because if you were praying in the house, and you were showing your children a good example, and you made it something that was a, f- a family thing and enjoyable from the very start. Inshallah, ta'ala, your children will uh, will participate. They will they will do that. Just as a child growing up in an abusive family will often learn abuse and abusing others. Similarly, when a child grows up in a good, a close knit family with love, with uh, Islam in that family, Inshallah, ta'ala, they will attribute. They will associate that love and that bond of that family with the practicing of Islam because Islam promotes those type of ideas uh, in our families, inshallah. So may Allah make us all good parents uh, and good examples to our children. that They look up to us uh, with pride. They look up to us as role models uh, and not people who are hypocrites that, oh, they don't even practice their religion. They don't even pray themselves. They don't even fast themselves. Um, you know, they watch bad things on TV themselves. You know, if we are good examples, inshallah, for our children and we're good role models, we have that nice, strong Islamic society, uh, society and family, uh, inshallah, uh, they will respect you. They will want to be, inshallah, like you, inshallah, hopefully good Muslims. Jazakallah uh, khair, brother, for coming onto the stream. Thanks, Barakallah Fikum. Alaikum, brother. And I think that will be the close of the stream. I've gone 15 minutes over, but I think Dr. Imran will forgive me because I think he did come around 10 minutes or so late onto the stream. <laughs> so in reality, I've only gone over, for him anyway, five minutes over, inshallah. Ta'ala. But uh, brother Arfan, any last words before we go? Alhamdulillah. It was a pleasure being on. And alhamdulillah, it was very interesting and it was very refreshing. 
seeing Ijaz, subhanAllah, again. Oh, no, alhamdulillah, yeah, it was. Um, and uh, Dr. Imran, any last words before before we go, inshallah? Uh, Jazakallah khair, all the brothers, for every, all the efforts and all the people doing the modding in the in the chats. Really appreciate all of your efforts, inshallah. And to the brothers and sisters who ask questions, I know it's not easy to do. Uh, anything good is from Allah, and everything that's uh, in error is from ourselves. May Allah forgive our shortcomings and purify intention for his sake, inshallah. Amen. Alhamdulillah. Brothers and sisters, remember us, inshallah, in your du'as, and that Allah keeps us sincere. Pray for us, pray for our families as well, inshallah. Um, and, uh, you know, jazakallah khair again to all the mods, jazakallah khair to all of you who've tuned in uh, and, and mashallah help the channel and promote the channel. Um, you know, Brother Sioni, uh, if you want to go and watch his dawah video, uh, his, uh, sorry, his uh, shahada video, it's on EF dawah. Uh, and mashallah today, uh, for some of you who've perhaps just tuned in, Mashallah, his wife, his sister, and Mashallah has come into Islam as well. Uh, Alhamdulillah, she, uh, the brother Sioni reached out and his wife asked, had some questions. Um, Mashallah, Dr. Imran, he, uh, Alhamdulillah, was there. He managed to answer the questions and Allah blessed her with Iman. And she, Alhamdulillah, accepted Islam as well today. So pray for their family as well. That Allah, Inshallah, keeps them close and keeps them on Iman, keeps their Believe strong, inshallah, and makes their journey into Islam easy, inshallah. So, jazakallah khair, my brothers and sisters. And uh, as I say, remember us in your duas. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.